ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Whatever Show, episode number seventy-five. Uh, we've made it a long way, folks. We're at episode seventy-five. Um, we've got so much stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we've got some sad news to open the show with, uh, but we've got some big fun news, which is Matt finally saw Logan, so we get to talk about Logan today, which uh, it's been really hard for me not to do so far. So, uh, and, and Matt's nodding his head in, in agreement because the movie's really fucking good. So, yeah, uh, we'll warn you, but we're probably going to spoil that uh, a lot. Yes, um, those, of, those of you that follow us on, on Facebook already know that. Yeah. Well, if you don't follow us on Facebook, you probably should. Uh, you whatever you should. show. Yeah. Facebook.com slash whatever show. Anyway, um, we got a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about as well. Harrison Wells is to uh, actually perform every part in the Flash uh, TV show and uh, all, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff too, it seems. Um, more Batman news. And, you know, since it's a Batman news and it's coming from DC, it's not great news. Gotta yeah. be honest. Uh, we're going to talk Marvel stuff as well. We've got a crash course on Inhumans, which we're going to go over, which is great because I'm actually a little bit behind, and, and that would probably help me a little bit. But we're going to talk Chris Evans' uh, initial contract. He's actually theoretically done after Avengers 4, so how's that going to go? We'll see. Um, uh, Matt's wife went to a concert. Yeah. Weird. She did. She saw uh, Safe Ferris, and specifically, <clears throat> she really wants me to plug... Um, the opening band. There was three bands, and like the okay. she's really impressed by well, the opening band. Don't so. blow the lead. We got to save that. You, you, we just this is just the intro. They got to no, stick I around. I know. That. I'm totally. Yeah. I'm totally not gonna. I'm just not gonna throw it out there. Yeah. No. I mean, gently. You know, kind of. You know, massage a little bit first. Make sure everybody's comfortable. Okay. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Matrix. There is Matrix news for real. Yes, you're still in the correct time. It's 2017 we got some new Matrix stuff to talk about. And then we're going to finish up with our classic match tonight. We watched uh, Kurt Angle defend his uh, championship uh, versus Chris Benoit because that's the thing that the network won't tell you. You're just going to you're just gonna gloss right over the lesbians article we're going to talk about? Uh, you know, I, now people are titillated. We're talking about lesbians, guys. We, <laughs> it can only go well. Uh, we're so going to talk about lesbians a couple times because, um, you know, there was a couple sitting next to me at the, at the movie today. And, um we all wept openly, I think. It, I think it was the, the message there. So, <laughs> All right. So let's get to it. All right. So here's the part where I should warn you. Um, we're going to talk about Logan for a bit here. Um, well, we're going to talk about Chuck Berry first. Oh, you're right. We are. Uh uh, God, see, I I want a joke because I got a I got a I got a funny joke for that, but I don't want to spoil anything for Logan for for Logan. Yeah, so uh, let's talk Chuck Berry first. Um, yeah, um, here's the deal: Chuck Berry probably one of the most influential musicians uh, ever when it comes yeah. to rock and roll. Like, go go go, Johnny go! It turns out Chuck Berry went. Yeah, unfortunately, Johnny be good. Um, Johnny be dead. Yeah, but uh, too soon. <laughs> I mean, it's. I already made a rollover Beethoven joke on Facebook today, so oh god. maybe I don't know. Oh god, there, there's a circle of hell just for people like us. I'm sure. No, I actually I had a record. My mom, my mom had a Chuck Berry record that was one of the uh, like one of the old chess record presses. Um, that was her Chuck Berry record, and um, it had like all those hits. Uh, That's badass. Johnny Be Good and Rollover Beethoven and like. Yeah, I gotta say he he was actually a fairly influential guitar player. Like, uh, Dude, he, his licks were none, like yeah. second to none. Like, and and that's um, 
I'm a guitar player, uh, you know, or at least I pretend to be one on TV. Um, so every now and then I'll pick up a guitar and try to play something like that. And uh, Chuck Chuck had some serious talent. Like I, I've, I think I've mentioned this on the show. When you start playing guitar, you quickly learn that you can play pretty much everything on the radio within a you know couple of weeks, yeah. a month of of you know solid practice. Um, if if you're you know somewhat disciplined at all, and uh, you know most of the stuff that I've tried to learn um, hasn't been that tricky. And so like I listen to you know Johnny Be Good, and of course you know it, it looks so easy when marty mcfly does it i'm like i'm gonna learn johnny be good and i and i messed with that for like 15 minutes i was like well fuck this is hard i don't want to do this anymore You're like i'm moving my fingers like he is but it's not making the same noise it's no. weird no um so yeah he, he was pretty talented well there's a lot of cool you know parts of that lick i mean there's the whole rhythm of it too but he also does this kind of thing where he's like bending while strumming two strings uh so you know like he's bending a bottom string while he's strumming you know two two strings at a time so anyway it's it's a um not a super simple part to play. I mean, don't get me wrong. Lots of players can do it. Uh, did you know that Michael J. Fox actually did learn how to play that? Did he? Yeah. That, well, that must be why like, it doesn't look like total shit. Because Well, I don't know if he knew back then, but he's definitely learned since then. Because he did a a, a performance of it relatively recently, like like post-Parkinson's, and, and played it. So, Wow, that's pretty tight. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I got no excuses. I should probably go back and actually apply myself to learning that song. Yeah. Yeah. So... um. Yeah, damn uh, th- that that's really sad for you know guitar players the world over i think because if, if you you know aren't a huge chuck berry fan which admittedly i'm not like I, it's not like i sit at home every day and i listen to my chuck berry records but i, I do acknowledge that he is sort of one of the uh, forefathers of of you know uh, playing styles that are still in use and, and you know around the world today so so anybody that's at home listening or that listens to to rock and roll music like there's essentially uh, rock and roll music that's based on two classes of music. There's classical and then rhythm and blues. And Chuck Berry is essentially kind of the guy that bridged the rhythm and blues and rock and roll like into into one sound. Yeah, I mean, that that's simplifying it a lot but yeah that's not wrong either like yeah. the the um r&b stuff uh and and blues in particular has a huge influence over a lot of and not stuff that you would typically think mm-hmm. of as blues but uh blues has a huge influence over um rock music and especially guitar playing so uh yeah i, I actually um and this is off subject a little bit you know weird we never we do that, that on the show we never but, do that um you can't i i i've Listen to the first half of Steve Austin's um, interview with uh, Zoltan Bathory from uh, uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. And he talks very specifically, Zoltan, uh, Zoltan does, about how in uh, Europe, almost all of your music has has a, a classical background. It's it's almost entirely um, based on, on, you know, very classical methods. Whereas when you come over here to the States, a lot of our, uh, you know, rock music is, is really groove based rather than classical based and whatnot. And that's, um, listening to the first record that they did, like you can really kind of see the melding of those two styles. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's not wrong. Like when you, when you think about their approach like if you look at like the new wave of british heavy metal that took over in the early 80s and whatnot with iron maiden and diamond head and, and bands like that uh very very classical sounding guitars like the the harmonizing between the the well yeah especially um a lot of metal bands actually like uh, get into really complicated sort of you know classical motifs because uh, especially once you get up to speed like that and you're playing you know technically like that um you know he- heavily emphasizing scales and stuff like that like 
there's not a lot of new scales coming out these days, guys. Uh, most of the scales have been around for a really long time, and chances are that if you've listened to any sort of classical music at all, you've been exposed to most of the uh, major um, and you know minor, uh, which you know musical terms here too, uh, major and minor scales. Uh, um, you know, so it's it's not enti- entirely shocking or surprising or shouldn't be, um, especially you know given that. But you know, just like you're saying, though, the other side of that coin is a lot of rock music gets made around uh, blues and blues riffs and scales yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a reason more, why. It's more common in the u.s that it is that it is abroad i mean i'm not going to say all u.s uh musicians do that i mean if you look at randy rhodes stuff that he was that he did when he was alive like his was very much classical like yeah in almost entirely um in fact that song d that he did was fucking nuts yeah um but anyway uh chuck berry was probably i mean if i had to point to a guy that was like hey who who's the first you know rock musician to to really bridge rhythm and blues and rock and roll into into one style of music like it's it's him yeah i think that's fair yeah Yeah. so uh you know damn that sucks yeah yeah we music music industry in particular suffered a big loss today i mean i don't know how productive he's been over the last few years uh, because i I believe he was 90 was he not he was old i don't i'm not sure about 90 but he was old um you know, it's kind of sad. We've been doing, we've done 75 episodes of this show, and lots of famous people have died over the course of us doing this show. Um, so my question is, do you think we're indirectly responsible? Like, are we causing the, the deaths of the, is there any way to show that famous people died before we started doing the podcast? He, he was 90, by the way. Yeah. Nice. Um, here's the deal. Uh, the vast majority of people that have passed since we've done the podcast are uh baby boomers so if anybody's directly responsible it's it's all those world war ii vets that came home and decided to get frisky oh that's fair you got a good point there like, okay follow, like people follow. really came down on 2016 for being such a harsh year on on celebrities and stuff like that but the majority of them were baby boomers and like there's more of them than any other generation so it stands to reason that more of them will die yeah okay so follow-up question if we are in some way responsible do you think there's any way we could like aim it like uh you know like pointed toward beaver or something is that <laughs> is that where you're going with this uh we're gonna get letters um yeah we could 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 we do i mean maybe not beaver specifically but i could think of you know some other you know uh, i don't know overly famous person who's uh, um no i can't even say this because i'm gonna get i'm gonna get on a list or something <laughs> <laughs> never mind do his initial spell potus <laughs> i'm just i'm just throwing uh, that out there oh okay you don't have to answer do, do you get on a list for wishing a hex on somebody is that a thing mm-hmm. I mean, I know that we can't directly make threats. That we'll get in trouble for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. And I mean, I'm not a believer in capital punishment for the most part, so... No. Like, I wouldn't actually wish anybody dead. Uh, we used to have this joke, actually, be- between my wife and I. We wouldn't actually... Uh, I don't remember how it started, but we wouldn't actually wish death upon anybody. We would just wish they'd go to Africa. Because... I- you could go to Africa and catch some sort of de- disease that us white people haven't, you know, built up an immune immunity towards or been exposed to. Uh, so yeah, no death. Just maybe you end up in Africa with like a Zika virus or something. Can I? Can I wish forced removal from office on somebody? I mean, that's that's okay, I, I, right? I think we've actually got mechanisms in place for that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. should. We should do that. <laughs> um. Okay, but on to uh, let's, wanna... let's 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 not leave music just now. Let's let's talk about the concert that my wife saw. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's, since, let's do that. Let's since do we're that. kind of on that uh, little kick. So um, the wife went and saw Save Ferris um, in Portland last night at the Hawthorne, I think, 
Hawthorne's a good. That's a fun, pretty tiny, small venue. club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's they not were, even they were really right a club. Front. Like it looks kind of like it was like a I don't know a, a church or something that got converted at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny story about that. We were actually going to take all the kids, mm-hmm. and then uh, it it was a twenty one and over show, so mm. I got to stay home, and the wife went and had fun. Cool. But uh, I forget the middle band. But the one that she really wanted me to talk uh, talk about was specifically not as much Safe Ferris, although she really enjoyed Safe Ferris's set as well. And uh, their lead singer, Monique, I believe is her name. Wow. Still super hot for uh, as long as they've been around. Doing, I guess they kind of took a hiatus for a while, but like she's 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 a good looking gal. Anyway, nice. um, the band that opened was called the Vista Kicks. Okay. Um, they are available on iTunes slash Apple Music. I don't. I'm not sure of other venues, but. Cool. But they, they're out there. I guess the wife and, and her friend Amy got to chat with them because after their set, they came on, they came and hung out on the floor for a while. See, that's what I really loved and miss about going to small clubs like that is like, that's pretty common. Like, yeah. um, a lot of the, uh, little shows I was going to and stuff like that when I was in, um, you know, high school and, and get, you know, just out of high school and stuff like that. Really, like, if you just stayed after for like a half an hour, you'd probably get to meet the band or get get to meet most of the bands um, because that wasn't at all uncommon. Um, the other thing too that was a lot of fun is a lot of the times the opening band you'd actually see them on the floor, like yeah. Uh, yeah. you'd you'd you know be watching the headliner or whatever, and then you'd see somebody from the band actually on the floor. So that's pretty rad. I, I went and saw a Typo Negative uh, one year at the Roseland, and the band that opened for them was Nevermore, and they were really fucking good. Actually, they had a really like Queensrÿche sound to them. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, I mean, if you're into like, like, like metal metal, I'm not talking about black metal or death metal or anything. I'm just yeah. talking about like straight up metal. Uh, they, they were super good. And then that dude, the singer from them, uh, I, I guess probably the rest of the band were out there too. Um, and they fucking rocked it and, um, totally were just bullshitting with people over by the merch booth and, and whatnot. I got to meet them and, um, the killers, uh, their first tour, like with that, they like blew the fuck up on. Um, we were lucky to get tickets. Um, my ex-wife wanted to go and like, we were still married at the time, guys. It's fine. <laughs> um, but we couldn't get tickets. It was totally sold out. And then like the day before the show, like my buddy Ryan calls me and he's like, Hey, you want to go to the killers? I got tickets. <laughs> and I'm like, see you later, honey. I'm going to a show. Yeah, like <laughs> she was so mad, but like, um, Tegan and Sarah opened for them. Uh huh. And I totally met Tegan and Sarah and hung out with them for a little while. Uh, and then, uh, the killers came out after like outside where the buses are and stuff like that. And they had to move some stuff around. And somehow like I ended up behind the gate. Like, so all the fans are on one side of the gate and then me and the killers are on the other side of the gate. <laughs> I was gonna say, is this going to be the story about how you get tricked into roadieing for the, the killers? Like, I thought that's where that was going. We had to move some stuff around, and then all of a sudden, I'm carrying amps for the next like three months around the uh, you know the greater yeah. United States. Yeah, no, I just went on tour. No, yeah. no, I just got I got to hang out back behind the gate and like shoot the shit with the band about just different stuff. And um, my buddy Ryan was super into like the fact that they play keyboards and whatnot, and and he was kind of bummed to learn that like their next record didn't have Any as much it. reliance yeah. on keyboards. Um, but yeah, they were because uh, that was Dave. Dave Kunig was the guitar player for them. I still is, I guess, but I'll take your word for it. I'm, I was never really, I mean, I know of the killers and I, I like them, you know, at, at least a casual glance, but I never really got into them. So, yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, I actually, um, funny story. My, my current wife has a t-shirt that, um, I bought for her when we were there cause she gave me cash to buy her merch cause she knew I was going, we were friends back then anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I actually got the entire panda sign it for her. 
<laughs> so there there is there is a a story under this somewhere folks but we're gonna skim right past that right now <laughs> what else it's fine you ditched your no that's funny though you you ditched your wife and then ended up bringing bringing you know it, it obviously worked out in the end but um and as as much as this like everybody's sitting at home going what an ass no nothing uncouth like no there was no there was there was zero uncouth things going on at that yeah point. that that is, that is just a total like i've done that too for for friends like they'll, they'll send you with money for for merch it's just yeah it, it's really funny how that ended up working out yeah so yeah. anyway like i've met all sorts of bands at small clubs and that's that's just a lot of fun but um anyway the wife had me listen to some tracks from the vista kicks uh ep they don't have a full record out right now yeah um i, I marketed in so hopefully i'll remember to go cut in a, a little sample or yeah. something like that they're, they're pretty cool they're not a ska band like in fact they told people that when they came out on stage they're like if you're looking for ska music that's not us right now like so <laughs> we're just a straight up rock and roll band and they were and it, their stuff is pretty good it's i haven't listened to it in depth enough to like really like pick out get into it yeah tracks and whatnot but but yeah um and i'll call the, that homework for this this week on on the five finger death punch note um i uh i i grabbed their first record off of uh apple music yeah today and was listening to it when i was cruising around corvallis and, and back and forth so uh, oh that was i was gonna ask you that you, you still subscribe to apple music yeah yeah, uh, I, I, my renewal, actually, I renewed one month by accident, and now I'm trying to decide if I'm going to hang around onto it, because I haven't, I don't really use it enough, I think, that I want to pay for it, but anyway. I, that's all I listen to on my iPhone, is Apple Music stuff. Yeah, see, like, I've been really balls deep into podcasts lately. Um, I, I no, really I do listen to, listen to a lot of podcasts on my iPhone as well, but, like, when I listen to music, like, I don't, here's the deal, who has time? To plug your phone into your computer and like drag stuff from iTunes onto your phone. And now, see that—that's the other thing. I, this is something I definitely meant to cancel. Is uh, um, I still have iTunes Match. Like you probably aren't even familiar with iTunes Match, but what it was essentially was like a way to legitimize your pirated, you know, copies. Like uh, you know, that's not how they they build it. But what you did, you pay twenty five bucks a year, and then um, you could. Either anything you bought off of iTunes, you could just immediately download on it, any of your other devices with um, signed into iTunes Match. Or um, if you had a bunch of stuff that, you know, you had acquired elsewhere, um, you know, which legitimately that that's true. Like, I'll really, uh, this is going to probably surprise DRM a lot of people. Free, but yeah, most of my um, music collection, like my own stuff is rip CDs, like, yeah. uh, um, which is actually kind of, this was the sad part. And one of the things that I appreciate about uh, iTunes matches, um, when I was ripping my CDs, it was like 2001 or something like that. And so band, you know, like... Uh, uh, space was actually a concern. Like, where am I going to fit as all this music? So I was ripping like uh, probably 128 bit uh, WMAs. Because like, fuck me, like I always, I One, always choose the wrong horse. 128 WMA though was a better file format than 128 MP3. No, like, it, it, it was, was, it, it, was it was legit and and quality. They don't that those you know never really sounded super horrible to me. I mean they weren't good either, and I could tell that they weren't you know like good quality. But that was another feature. iTunes matches um, anything you put into match would uh if especially if they had it already so if it was something that was fairly common like um i don't know fucking anything um basically like all my incubus records were uh went in as you know 128 wmas and uh itunes matches like well that's shitty and we got a better version of that so uh they would just feed you the 256 uh mp3 so um did they actually do mp3 or did they do the uh uh 
I, no, you're probably right. It's probably, a, it's probably AAC. AAC yeah. It's probably AAC. Um, but <clears throat> anyway, video. Sorry, guys. It was a nice. It was a nice way to um, sort of like upgrade the quality of the collection. You know, basically, because I mean that that was an, another thing through some clever trickery. You could just you know create a, a playlist that had all of those you know shitty versions, and then just download that whole playlist again. So I did that a while ago, and that's pretty much how I've been using music. But then the other thing I've been doing instead, Amazon Amazon Prime kind of had something similar to that too. Like if you were just like, hey, I have this record. Um, and I'm going to upload it. I just ripped this. I'm going to upload it to your system. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's, yeah. it's, it's fine. We're just going to give I mean, you this. That, that's what they did too. Like, um, it, okay. It, we can see it in your iTunes library. It matches this thing. So like, don't bother because it, you're just wasting bandwidth for both of us with your shitty, stupid WMA, you know, format or whatever. So, um, no, I, and that's not even probably fair because I don't think you could probably import it. Probably had to rip it again into MP3, which, Holy shit! Now this is this is the weird part. Lossy conversion on lossy conversion. Yeah, this is the weird part for me. Is is now if I rip a CD, which is a huge if, because I don't hardly ever have physical media. In my I'm a hundred percent confident that the next CD I rip is probably going to be tools because they probably still aren't going to be on anything digital. And God knows when yeah. that's going to be. I, I don't do anything less than three twenty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now anymore because um, I don't care about space. But um, the the weird thing about iTunes is that I'm going to say that uh, is a positive now is like Apple Music. Um, same account that I use for iTunes, right? So anything I buy automatically shows up in my iTunes library, or or I, I guess you don't buy it on Apple Music; you just grab it. And yeah, and that all the stuff that you you know, like I don't know, favorite or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. Oh. And anything that I do have in my library that's ripped, that's in Apple Music, if, or that's in um in my library, like if I add it to my library, I can upload it to my cloud, and it will automatically show up on my phone and all that other shit if I want to. It's yeah, it's kind of nice. Um. Their meta tagging still fucking sucks balls, though. Yeah, and iTunes on Windows is still a steaming pile of dog shit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just, that's the thing. Like, I, I, uh, I've been trying to decide what I'm going to do with the whole music collection because, it, ironically, it's kind of weird. Uh, but we're 20, it's 2017, and I cannot find a fucking way to manage music that I like uh, in 2017. Mostly because at this point, like I'm some curmudgeoning old grandpa. My friend who still Adam wants swears to have... by Media Monkey, but I fucking can't stand how it organizes shit either. So no, I can't either. Like honestly, Windows Media Player is one of the best, and that sucks. So yeah, what what drives me nuts is like, um, I I really just want a pretty simple way to manage my library and do some you know basic tagging and, and shit like that, and um. I really wanted to have a nice, clean, smooth interface. So, like, for a while, I was dicking around with FUBAR 2000, which I it, it is just way too customizable to, for me. Like, I know that's going to sound weird, but it's like I spent probably, I don't know, a good hour trying to get FUBAR set up the way that I wanted it. And I was still like, well, this still it's, looks like ass, and I, I'm not even sure how this is supposed to work kind of thing. Dude, I honestly, I, I compare it to, like, the first time somebody takes a digital picture, and then their friend hands them a full copy of Photoshop, and they're like, here, go to town. Yeah. And even then, like, uh, at least in Photoshop, because I, uh, they, like, I'm not that far removed from being that person. And at least in Photoshop, though, I could be like, okay, this is an easy way to do, you know, like, there's this one feature that I can actually, like, I can crop a photo. In Fubar, it's like, well, I got a song to play, but I'm not really sure how I did it. Um, and then I've tried a couple, I don't know, half a dozen other programs, and it's just kind of like, man, these all suck in, in, you know, dramatic ways. They're just not exactly raping my, uh, CPU uh, the entire yeah. time they're doing it. So, and in, in the end, I think I kind of ended up deciding, you know, almost, almost by, uh, um, uh, like I gave up and I was just like, well, fuck, I guess I'm staying with iTunes for longer, even still. I, I've always liked, um, Windows Media Player in terms of the fact that, like, 
your rip music settings are, are completely customizable. Yeah, see, I, and then, I, I hate Windows <clears> Media <throat> Player, but the new Groove Music Player is actually not bad. But that's the other thing, too. Is it's like, I just want to be able to play my shit, Groove. I don't care that you've got this band or whatever. Like, that that's the other thing that drives me up the wall, even now with iTunes, even more. Is like, again, I know I'm this old guy who just wants to have his music that I already have that's on my actual machine. And I want to be able to play that in a way that's easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, I was trying to mess with Groove. I was like, well, I'll just use Groove because actually the design's pretty nice. I actually like Windows 10 design. It makes sense for the most part. But it's like as soon as I started searching, I was like, play Queens of the Stone Age. And they're like, we've got these other tracks available from Queens of the Stone Age. And it starts playing some shit, that, uh, uh, which don't get me wrong, it's Queens. So it's not like I was upset by it. But it's like I just just play what I have. Don't don't try to sell me the thing that, that you have uh, that's the same thing that I have. Just play right. the fucking thing that I have. Um, yeah, so I just I gave up and I was like, well, I guess I'm just gonna go back and I'm gonna get some records and I'm gonna get a little uh, I'm gonna get a little needle thing and I'm just gonna spin it around with my finger like like that thing right there. Yeah, like that thing. Everybody, it's weird because everybody seems to kind of like they look at Pandora and they're like, hey, that music genome project seems pretty cool. Let's let's use that, but try and sell shit. Pandora's uh I like Pandora the only thing with Pandora is these days is that um and I I still use and I actually am a a paid Pandora subscriber um because it's only four bucks number one um but four bucks to get rid of ads is not too bad so but I actually pay for Pandora every month and it's mainly because I use that as like my sleep timer like I go to sleep and I put on Pandora and I also like like I was thinking about replacing Apple Music with that but the thing about Apple Music is too that it's not everywhere like We've got a Roku in one room. We've got a Amazon Fire Stick thing in another room. We've got uh, Apple TV downstairs. Uh, so um, it's nice to just be able to go throw Pandora onto any of them. I uh, I use Arrow. That's my sleep timer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes in and you just... Dude, if I'm already tired and I yeah. put an episode of Arrow on, I'm not making it 10 minutes into the show. <laughs> um, we're right. thinking about doing Apple TV, actually, at some point. Um, I think when I upgrade the bedroom TV... I think I might try and downgrade or like kick down our current bedroom TV um, into the playroom and, and put the PS3 on that. that and then yeah. and then have Apple TV in the bedroom. I got to say, I, r- I really, for the most part, like the Apple TV. Um, although that's another funny thing. Like, I don't really think I need the Apple TV is kind of spendy compared in comparison to any of the other boxes. Like you can get Amazon's thing for ninety nine dollars and it's. And the- the the thirty two the small size of Apple TV is still one fifty. Yeah, I think we I found it on sale somewhere and I got it for like one twenty nine and it's really smooth. I really like it for the most part. The only thing that um the, the thing that I was thinking is like oh I want to get the Apple TV because it's going to have this app ecosystem that's going to be really good and I'm going to be able to play all these things and it's and you know all these different apps like kind of like with your phone like uh, one of the reasons I really still use an iPhone is because it's got the App Store and the App Store. Uh, I, I view as being, you know, really whole, wholly better than Android and uh, Windows Phone isn't even worth talking about in this category. So um, wait, they still make phones. Yeah, Windows still makes phones, right? So anyway, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to use all these apps, and as it turns out, I've got Netflix and I've got HBO Go and I've got Plex, and those are the three apps that I've had, and I haven't even thought of opening the App Store basically since I bought the damn thing. Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah, they've got uh, WWE Network on it. Yeah, the network's on it too. Uh, and see, that's you probably aren't allowed to watch that in in the room the, with the in, wife no, though my, my wife probably not uh well first off that's the other funny thing too like i i'm the you know nerd and you'd think especially because i was the one that's like because my wife was like i don't fucking care get one of the fuck you know um and i was like no we gotta get the apple tv it's the best one i'm gonna put it down there and we're gonna watch it and it's gonna be so great and i don't even watch tv really i mean i watch tv on my computer like i go sit at my desk and i watch tv there 
I still use the big TV. Yeah. You think that's weird, though? Like, last week when you and me and Bailey watched the matches, like, you were all just ready to sit down right here and, and yeah, watch just it. Go through it on, well, I mean, and I'm like, we, we can use the big TV. That's sort of the dynamic set up in my house, though. It's kind of funny because, like, my wife is still, like, the old, like, watching stuff on the computer hasn't bothered me for a really long time. Like, I, when the way you would consume internet stuff was, you know, mainly through a browser still, not through, like, a specific app or something like that. That's how I did it all the time. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't really weird to me. Um, and really even before Plex, like I would watch it, you know, it, it was a file sitting on my hard drive or something like that, that I would watch, um, actually on my computer. Uh, and so that's never really been all that weird to me, but now that it's kind of weird because the dynamic in my house is like the kids get the TV and then maybe at some point during the day, my wife will take it over. And then by the time I get ready to sit down and watch it, it's like, well, whatever, I guess I'm not going to. And then you don't hit the kids enough. The other thing too is like, uh, I watch a lot of nerdy shit and it's funny because as much as Ashley's like, Oh, you're such a nerd. Uh, it turns out she likes all the same nerdy shit too. She just still has the, you're such a nerd thing. So, uh, the other, the other reason, and I don't is because, uh, I don't want to deal with, you know, that. And she's just messing around. And also because, um, I have no patience. Like I would want headphones anyway, because as soon as one of the, like, if I'm watching like Legion or something like that, and the kid says, I don't know, fucking anything, uh, I'm just going to want to throw shit at them the whole time. So, uh, it's usually more comfortable for me to just sit on my computer and watch it with headphones. Cause That's actually why I'm behind on my shit is because like, I wait till the kids go to bed before I watch. Yeah, same. That, that, that would be the, that would be the the penultimate, or probably the most the largest reason is because you know I can't exactly watch Game of Thrones with the kids sitting uh, next anywhere in the same vicinity of of the TV. Yeah. yeah anyway, Game of Thrones. That's Legion like a, even is pretty intense sometimes. And it. Yeah. Why although, is that chick stuck in the wall? Although I, I will say this, since we're about to talk Logan, I don't know, sweetie. Um, I actually at one point had contemplated taking my older kid to Logan to Logan. I could see it. Like, and, of R-rated and, movies, this is one of those ones that I probably wouldn't have as many qualms about taking a kid yeah, to. Yeah. Like, I watched it, and I was like, you know, there was gore. But, like, the overall storyline and everything like that, like, there's nothing R-rated about the actual story. Like, it was... Yeah. Okay. So, so let's pause right here. So right now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk Logan now. Uh, we just took a 20 minute digression, uh, but we need to talk Logan. We need to. It's been weeks. I've been waiting for this for a long time. We're going to we're going to probably talk about it for a while. So we're going to talk about it for a little bit. Uh, we're going to spoil it a lot. So here's your cue. Um, I'm going to try to remember, and I put a little thing in the thing to tell me to go back and cut this in to tell you what timestamp you can skip to. So we'll see if I actually do it. But hey, I remembered. Skip ahead to about an hour and 36. Uh, we're going to talk Logan now. Uh, be aware if you haven't seen the movie, we're going to spoil it. Um, so yeah, this is your warning. Yep. There it went. Okay. So yeah, man, lots, lots, lots of stuff. Um, lots of emotions, man. Like this, um, yeah. Okay. Let's not get that deep first. Let's, let's start right off on the surface. Let's, let's talk about the fact that Patrick Stewart uses the word fuck a lot in this movie. Okay. That, that's brilliant. But like, even just on a surface, like uh, it's a little sad that we had to wait this long to see exactly what the wolverine is capable of like those and, and in a diminished form so um if you know nothing about logan already why are you still listening to this you stupid fucker uh but if you know nothing about logan already um the thing about this is is that his healing is sort of slowing down and logan's getting old and shit like that he's sick he's he's sick basically like he, he it looks like he's got you know some early stage of cancer or something going on but and really really the predominant theory is that you know the adamantium, adamantium poisoning poisoning him um, which I think has been a comic storyline a few it different has. times. They, they've so. used it a couple times, and honestly, what happens um, typically in a situation like that, it's a lot like uh, Wade, yeah, uh, with Deadpool, like the cancer and whatnot. Um, 
his healing factor is fighting the adamantium poison to the point where like it doesn't really heal him as quickly as it used to and whatnot. So yeah, so um, he, he's in its diminished form. That said, he kicks so much ass in this movie. Yeah, and like it's nice. Like he's got big fucking metal knives attached to him, and you get to see the tiniest little glimmer of that in uh the previous movies up to this. Like in X two when he's like running down the hall and he just fucking stabs that in guy right in the chest in the school and the foot. Yeah, and in the foot, it's like, oh, that's cool. And it's like that. No, that's a taste. Like you, you just that's not, not even. even. Not that, even. That's like that's the crackers that come with your actual fucking hors d'oeuvre. Like compared to what this movie does for that. So like this is the first time that I really feel like we get to feel exactly how fucking vicious the Wolverine is. Um, and it, it starts right out of the gate. Like right out of the gate, I was just like, oh, this is gonna be good. Uh, because I mean, I think the first thing is it, Logan's getting carjacked. Um. Uh, so that that While seems he's awesome. In the car, like, yeah, who does that? But that seems awesome because it sort of I think sets it up. Like because even during the fight, like um, old Wolverine, like Wolverine we've seen in previous movies, like would have not even really had to shrug at any of this. Like he would have absolutely dominated these guys. And don't get me wrong, he still does. But you can see like it's taken a little bit more effort than you would expect it to. Uh, um, but yeah, we open right up with Wolverine really tearing some guys apart with the claws and that I freaking love because, um, this is another thing like, uh, there's tons of emotion in this movie and that's one of the things I get the feeling of throughout the film is like this sort of regret that Logan has because you, you're kind of, you know, unfortunately as a viewer who's seen all these other movies, you kind of have to understand that, um, uh, uh, or you kind of have to embellish a little bit on, on what's happened in the past based on, you know, some things we know set up in this movie. Like when he's just brutally murdering, you know, a, a bunch of cholos, um, you have to get the feeling that like this isn't a new thing for him. Uh, and he's been, you know, killing people with his claws and stuff like that. So I, I really like that whole aspect of it, you know, just to, just to start off with is we get a much more true to Wolverine sort of character, uh, including, you know, the quasi regret that goes along with that sometimes. So, yeah. Um, in the comics, there's a big storyline, uh, going on when, when Scott Summers was full on in charge of the X-Men and whatnot. And, um, he basically had Wolverine, you know, reform x-force without the rest of the x-men knowing and uh x-force was when you saw wolverine like do what wolverine does and this this kind of reminded me of of an older version of that wolverine that like did some dirty ass shit in his in his time the the other thing too that i'm going to go ahead and and just put out there and, and you know from jump street for everybody listening the Wolverine that you've come to know from the movies where he's a surly asshole at the beginning, but then, you know, kind of develops into a uh, a hero with a heart of gold. Like, you don't get that through most of this movie. Like, he's a surly asshole <laughs> the, the entire, entire movie. Time. That, that was another thing that was not lost on me either and that I super fucking loved. Like, this is Wolverine to its core. Like, um, I, I love the way they did that. And that's actually kind of, kind of true to the comic a lot of the time, too. And don't get me wrong. Um, there's varying grades, varying shades of this. Like, um, sometimes he's a surly asshole with the heart of gold. And sometimes he's just, you know, an outright, you know, practically antisocial dickhole. Um, this movie definitely leans towards the antisocial dickhole quite a lot more. Uh, and it's pretty satisfying actually, uh, because it makes some of the bigger things that happen in the movie that much more gratifying. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, <laughs> Yeah, spot on. Couldn't couldn't love that more probably. And there's 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 a moment in the movie too, and and we'll get there eventually too. But I just the point I want to make here is 
a lot of people point to like the fact that there's comic books, there's X-Men comic books seen throughout the movie. And they point to that as being like kind of like the most meta thing we've seen uh, in, in a comic book movie. It is certainly pretty fucking meta. Cause it's like a straight up, I don't even think these are made for the shit. Like at least the covers, the covers are like, I think straight up art from books that are out there right yeah. now. But I mean the most meta moment in the movie actually happens at the, at the farm. Like that entire, like not the entire farm scene, but like the first two thirds of that farm scene, like, is one of the most poignant moments of the entire movie and um we'll we'll talk about it when we when we get there but uh yeah we we opened the movie with him getting carjacked like Eddie said and then and then we kind of move into like you realize that he's a limo driver for hire and you're like well that's weird yep uh some random lady uh tries to accost him for help and he's like fuck off lady like literally that's verbatim what he says yeah so th- that's another thing like uh in, in the previous movies you're like oh wolverine's a good guy he's gonna want to help her and blah 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 and he's like no fuck off like yeah. i got shit to do yeah yeah i'm, I'm getting paid to Drive deliver people limo. to this funeral yeah and with my fucked up car or with bullet holes inside but but you do get uh catch first glimpse of, of laura at that point and we'll talk about her more as we go along too i could but... write a whole fucking thesis on how cool laura kenny is in this movie dude yeah. Um you you go on through and you find out that he's buying meds. You don't know what they're for yet and then you you find out he's got Xavier locked in a metal box in the desert. Yeah, it's kind of funny cuz actually when you he's buying meds at this point I was kind of convinced oh like Logan's got a bit of a problem, does he? Yeah. Um, well, he's definitely drinking. Oh a yeah, lot. He's drinking like a fish. Um yeah. So he he's doing a lot of drinking and you think I'm thinking he's into drugs too at this point. And kind of understandably so, because it's obviously slowing down, and you can tell he's sick in some way, and yeah. Uh, but no, when we get out to the desert, th- those are uh, probably some of the favorite pieces of work I've ever seen Patrick Stewart do, ever. Oh, God. When he's just out there ranting and raving. Yeah. Ranting and raving. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I think on the Red Band trailer, uh, when, when he's, like, uh, talking about how... Um, Oh, they're traveling. They're traveling, and and, and uh, Patrick Stewart's like, uh, we need to stop for rest. And and th- this scene plays out longer in the movie, and, and all that stuff. And Logan's like, no, we can't. We got we got to go. Keep going, and blah blah blah. And he's like, you 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 know, you've got the healing factor, and she's fucking nine. I'm fucking ninety. You know, like yeah. that. That's the funniest thing ever. And and this is sort of like an expanded, you know, sort of montage of that scene, sort of like you know, very similar in tone to that. Um, but yeah. That's some glorious acting too. Like I, I gotta say, everybody really particularly stands out in this movie. But people forget that like Patrick Stewart's like a legit actor. Like um, <clears throat> you see him as you know uh, Xavier, or you know think of him as Picard or whatever. And don't get me wrong, those are great roles. But no, he's like a legit Shakespearean trained actor, and you just see some of the shit he can do in this movie. Like uh, one of the things that I came out of this movie thinking was like, oh my god, that is. Uh, so sad because he manages to pr- pr- uh, play this frailty while at the same time having th- this enormous amount of power um, right uh and the the thing that was sad here is like he played it too well i came out being like oh man there's gonna be a day when patrick stewart dies and i don't know how i'm gonna deal with that i know i know i was thinking that through the whole time i was just like man that's yeah yeah and he had hair for like a little bit like he had like little wisps around the back like the horseshoe yeah and um, we also meet Caliban right about the same time we, we see Chuck yeah, uh, for the first time, uh, who's a former villain. Yeah. Um, you find out he actually helped the Reavers 
um, who are our main group of bad guys, um, along with the corporation. I can't remember the name of the corporation because they flashed the business card a couple times, but whatever. I assume it's, I don't know, uh, fucking dildos R us or something, (laughs) but, um, he can sense mutants and, and hunt them and whatnot. And, um, track them yeah they call him like a sniffer he's a tracker yeah um so that that you know that's sort of a fun bit too just like the interactions with uh you know it's really kind of funny because there's really a fairly small cast list which is another difference from previous x-men movies and even uh uh installations in the wolverine franchises um this is a fairly small cast uh it's it's essentially laura xavier and and wolverine with uh with a couple baddies in there here and there so yeah um, but they managed to do so amazingly much with it. Um, and I think that this, this holds to like the interactions between Logan and Caliban are all super good. Uh, the interactions between Caliban and Xavier are all great. Uh, just the way they managed to, to use him in this movie. Like there's nothing really wasted in this movie. Like I, I was impressed by like, and this is another thing I think we're going to come back to is like, um, there's, uh, we like superhero movies here at the Whatever Show. That, that's probably pretty fucking obvious at this point, but we really like superhero movies. And the thing about it is, is that a lot of the times when I go into a super mo- superhero movie, I have to shut parts of my brain off um, and be like, well, you know, it's a superhero movie, so I'm going to forgive the fact that the characters are a little one-dimensional. disbelief for a little bit. And yeah. I'm not going to pay too much attention to the fact that Iron Man's, you know, skull should be turned into jelly every time he, you know, pulls a, a 35G maneuver or something like that. Um and so on and so forth. And and this movie does not do that as much, I think. Like, there's this is just a legit good movie. Like, this is uh, kind of how I talked about The Winter Soldier. Like, it's yeah. not so much just a Captain America movie as it is a really great spy thriller movie. And this is sort of, I, I would say, even that to the nth degree in that it's not just a good superhero movie. Like, it is a, an amazingly well-told drama uh, slash, you know, quasi-action movie. Yeah, um, I, I was actually going to say the same thing. I was going to put it in the same vein as Winter Soldier exactly for that reason, which is that this would be a great movie if nobody had claws. Yeah, like it transcends genre. Genre, and there's a lot of ways I think. Like nobody having claws, there's a lot of ways I think they could do that. Um, yeah. it's not a, it's not an insanely radical idea, other than the fact that it would be really weird to have Wolverine not have claws. But you know, whatever. Well, they tried that at the end of the Wolverine with the Silver Samurai. You know. Yeah. What could go wrong? We won't talk about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Essentially. Um. So the main plot of the movie is you find out that there's this kid that happens to be Wolverine's genetically. It was um, they they told the Laura Kinney story a little bit differently in this movie than they did in the in the comic books canon because she's a clone in the canon. Yeah. Um, in this one, they actually took genetic material from Wolverine and uh, and Just impregnated or something women like that. Yeah. You know, or a woman with it and whatnot. Um, so she's she's like legit his. Yeah. Uh. And there's there's a lot of things that trouble him about that too. Like you can you can see him fighting that battle through a good portion of the movie. Um, and here's the other thing: the chick who plays Laura Kenny, and I don't remember her name right off the bat. I don't either, but she's really good. She doesn't talk through ninety percent of the movie, eighty five percent of the movie, um, and still conveys a lot of emotion. And like you, she's she's super good. Like for a little kid. And, yeah, like, ch- child acting. So first off, this is the exact type of movie where the child can fuck up the you know tone and feel of the movie, um, because you know let's face it, child actors just aren't usually all that good. I think Iron Man three and that kid. Yeah, 
uh child child actors usually aren't that good but she was really really well and maybe that was a conscious decision to keep her from talking for quite a lot of the movie but when she starts opening her mouth she's still really fucking good so uh i don't know that's even the case but um she's really impressive in the film and and i mean that both her actor but laura kenny the you know the way that characters portrayed in this movie fucking fight scenes are brutal man they are they're fucking vicious they they're um amazing though like i really really well choreographed i'm really happy that they went you know uh, balls to the wall and and you know because that's another thing that i was questioning like are they gonna have this little kid fuck up all these dudes and yep the answer is yes emphatically like, you don't even see her first actual fight because it takes place inside the building where where wolverine and, and chuck are living and they're outside yeah i can't remember if we saw this in the trailer or if we just called this from the trailer but like when they when she walks outside and she's carrying the thing looks like a basketball and it turns out it's just a dude's head yeah she rolls that guy's fucking head out there i was like oh this is gonna be good yeah yeah so um logan logan essentially gets stuck hauling the professor and laura um yeah this is the weird part they're going somewhere she knows where she wants to go. Xavier knows where where they should be going, but like you find out like later in the movie that like he's like I'm not driving you there. Yeah, like <laughs> so kind of wonders <laughs> makes you wonder where they're going. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of a lot of fun stuff at a casino. Um, you find out that y- you kind of already know that Xavier's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I mean he he very much is like he's going through basically dementia at this point. Like that's the other thing that was really hard to watch. Like if you've got somebody with Alzheimer's in your family, it, it, don't get me wrong, uh, this is going to be a little hard to watch because he he portrays it so well. And they, obviously he doesn't have like Alzheimer's, but it comes across that way a lot it's, on the screen. Yeah, it's uh, it's some kind of degenerative brain disease. Yeah, um, which is you know they they kind of highlight this well. Like it's scary because he's got like the most powerful fucking mind in the in the world, especially the you know the X world. He's Omega class for sure. And, you know, one of the, if not the most powerful mutant, you know. Yeah. In um, this particular iteration of the story, like the government has deemed his mind as a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons I think they're hiding out is just to keep him away from, you know, whoever would try to, you know, do harm or, or there, take control. There was an incident so you find out in Westchester where lots of people died. And, and even more were injured. Um, yeah. So. Um, but I guess. uh yeah, there was so there's the big fight at the at the homestead in Mexico, and then they leave and they do the big fight at the, uh, which isn't really even a fight, the casino at the, at the casino. Yeah, because the just, casino though is a solid fucking scene because they do that whole watching, thing in slow motion. Well, even before that though, like just the interaction between Xavier and Laura when he's watching Shane on the TV and he's yeah. telling her about the first time he saw it, and she's really absorbing everything about that movie, and that comes into play later on. Yep, and. uh uh, but then yeah, going into the slow motion thing, like Logan had gone out to buy a new a new vehicle, and uh comes back and and Xavier's mind pretty much explodes. Yeah, which actually explodes in a kind of semi nonviolent way. Like he's basically <laughs> like uh, having a seizure or some shit like that, and can, for, has frozen everybody in the casino. And uh, I, I think given time, it would have turned everybody's mind to jelly essentially. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. Logan's got to get up there and he's, you know, struggling to get through it. And they, so this whole scene's kind of in slow motion where you kind of slowly, and then of course he gets to the room and as it turns out, they're surrounded by bad guys. And so, um, Logan has to, you know, sort of slowly kill these guys, 
so he can go free Xavier and give him his meds. And then there's Laura coming into that too, which again was another phenomenal this, um, use of her. This is really the first time you see any kind of cooperation between Laura and Logan at all, because Logan up to this point, um, and even well beyond this point, like still basically treats her as though like he doesn't want anything to do with her, even knowing that she's genetically his, like he doesn't. Yeah. So I'll go you one further. And I think that Logan sees her and he sees a dog that needs to be put down. Like in the beginning of the movie, I think it's, uh, um, some sort of basic level of humanity, but I don't, I don't think it would be unusual to have the thought cross, have crossed his mind that he thinks knowing what he is, knowing what he's capable of, knowing the shit he's done over the years, uh, that he doesn't look at her and think, oh man, I should probably just put her down. Cause, uh, especially, you know, knowing that, um, he's also sort of, uh, uh, indirectly responsible for a lot of different things. Like Logan through various parts of his career, you know, get, has his DNA co-opted for whatever, or, you know, used against him in some fashion or another. And, and, uh, well, that's coming up too. And, and knowing that, uh, she has already killed. Yeah. And, like a lot. And that's, that's like kind of one of those things too. It's like, uh, kind of, you mentioned like a dog that needs to be put down. Like it's kind of like uh, a chicken killer. Like once they get the taste, like that's their yeah. chicken killer. And, and you know, it, it's not even, you know, that crazy. Cause even as an audience member at this point, you know, you're seeing this little girl, but at the same time, she just brutally murdered a whole bunch of guys remorselessly and really like, uh, um, in, in a detached way. So you, you kind of don't like that thought goes kind of going through my head at this time where it's like, is she really, you know, like, is there any humanity to be spared here? Well, and it's funny too, because in the trailer, like one of the trailers, I think it was the second trailer that showed the convenience store scene when she's like eating the Pringles and walking out with the sunglasses <laughs> and stuff like that. Like that scene seems really humorous in the trailer, but like when you watch it in the movie, like it, it's less it's so because like you realize that she's really ready to gut that cashier because like not because he wanted her to pay for anything, but because he put his hands on her, like he was going to stop her from leaving. And like, she's not been in an environment where like, if somebody puts their hands on you, it's for a good reason. Yeah. Okay. So, so since you can mentioning that a little bit, this is probably the only part that pissed me off a little bit. Uh, the scenes having to do with the, um, the hospital where these kids all came from, those were a little bit like, um, do they have the worst? I mean, what, what is going on here? Like, uh, they brought just, you know, regular nurses in here and, you know, uh, that, that whole scene, that whole set set of scenes was like, uh, that was, I wouldn't say plot hole, but that was the closest I got to like, well, this doesn't just doesn't make any sense. I'm actually going to argue with you at that point a little bit. And that is like too many times in a, in a comic book type movie or, or other movie, like the entire staff of the headquarters is usually portrayed as being like ultimately evil. Like they're all like hell bent on this one goal and whatnot. And I don't think that that's probably how these things actually would work if they were real. Like, you probably would have people that were there because they were hiring for nurses and they needed a yeah, job. I just, you know I'm, what I'm I mean? I'm just like, trying to picture like the, the, the ad on, you know, like monster.com or whatever. They're like, we need um, nurses trained to restrain young children who may or may not occasionally breathe fire at you. And uh, we're going to probably it can't get be different than applying for a nurse's job at the children's farm home. That um, That's probably true. I, I mean, guess. you know what I mean? Like it, it, it would, it would literally just read like troubled youngsters. Like, you know, need nursing care, whatever. Yeah. I guess even, you know, nurses though, but like the, the lack of security, like <clears throat> you'd think there would have to be like 19 levels of security and, and some sort of, well, like, yeah. Uh, how did stick. 20 of these fucking kids escape? Like that's, yeah. that's kind of the thing. Like, and, eh. and that, that part, I, I mean, if, the, 
they could do a little bit more exposition, and I kind of would have got that because th- these kids have fucking superpowers. I so guess like, it's not any different than like all of the uh, um, Manticore kids escaping in in the show Dark Angel. Yeah, I suppose, and probably less so even because even in Dark Angel, I, like we're not actually dealing with mutants yet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but these 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 kids, um, you don't really see much about the kids at all until way later in the movie. So you see the story. Um, and I, I did like the, um, the shaky cam video that they did with the phone and stuff like that. Cause it, it legit looked like somebody just snapped videos with their phone. Yeah. Uh, which they probably did. I mean, that's probably exactly how they did that. They were drawing here. Just let's just do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. The, okay. So the next scenes, uh, are, there, there's really one other big part I want to talk about. Um, well, not one other, but there's lots of other, but the next scene I think is kind of where we, um, have this weird sort of. Uh, and it seemed a little out of place at first, and then it worked, of course, beautifully. But uh, they're driving down the road, essentially away from the casino, and um, one of the autonomous trucks swerves and runs this family off the road. And um, Almost taking Logan out, too, Logan and crew. Yeah, th- they save themselves, and they're getting ready to go. And, and uh, they see that the families, you know, the horses have gotten loose and stuff like that. And so, you know, Charles is like, Oh, we should help them. We should help them. And Logan's like, nah, fuck them. Someone will come along. Yeah. Someone will come along. Uh, and he, and that's has come along. Yeah. That, which is a great line. And he delivers it majestically, which you can even see from the trailer, which, um, which honestly, the trailer belies that what the scene's about though. Cause I figured it was, it was about like Laura. helping Laura yeah. and, and then it's not, but it kind of, you know, and on the other hand, too, that it is, it is almost a little bit because, like, that's sort of the thing, too. Like, even as Logan still, you know, Laura is with Logan and Charles at this point. But, like, Logan, like, at the drop of a hat, seems like he might just leave her. Like, just be like, fuck off. Like, you shouldn't have screwed around in the candy store. And now, and they just take off. Like, every time you, you've ever had your mom threaten you, like, if you don't get in this car right now, we're going to leave it. Like, I, I legit believe Logan. Like, I never believed my mom when she said sh- shit like that. But, like, when Logan says it, it's like, no, you, you better get in the fucking car because you're well, going to be stuck at the quickie I mean, for, like, the rest of forever. Starve. Yeah, I mean, she'll feast on the flesh of the dead or something, but um, not really. She's not a zombie or anything. No, she'll eat chips. Yeah. Over the corpses of some, you know, horror convenience store. Club. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, it is sort of this like um, really good, but also kind of meta moment of like, you know, tra- of Charles basically saying like, dude, you got a conscience in there somewhere. You've yeah. had a conscience. Before. We've seen like, it before. Yeah. We have seen it on occasion. So um, it's a really good scene because like um, they ended up deciding to help the family, the family, you know, being some, you know, nice, you know, wonderful picture of rural well, Midwesterners with the exception of the fact that they're black, which be- I actually thought was brilliant. But be- um, before we go there, like there's one piece of dialogue between um, Xavier and Logan that I kind of wanted to, to analyze and break down a little bit. And that is when you see him the first time in Mexico and he, he's like, who are you? And then like 10 minutes later, he's talking to him, you know, he's like, Oh, Logan, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Oh, you know who I am now? And he's like, I always know who you are, but sometimes I don't recognize you. And like, there's a real sense of like, you get that he's not talking about his disease. Like it's that Logan has changed so much over the years that he's having a hard time dealing with the fact that this fucking stubborn asshole yeah. is the same Logan Wolverine that he knows. Um, and I thought that was really well done. Yeah. I, I'm really glad you brought that up because, uh, 
that that is another you know big thing i think going into this movie and going through this movie is this is not the wolverine we've seen before um it is you know it's still hugh jackman and all that stuff and it's a continuation sort of um which is another thing we're gonna have to talk about is the whole uh you know basic premise for this movie like if you think about x-men one yeah it literally takes rogue about five minutes to talk him into like giving her a ride when he finds her in his camper and whatnot this is not that Logan. <laughs> no, this is definitely not that Logan. Um, but yeah, that line is just so brilliant. Um, okay, so as we get like back into the farm thing, like uh, you know, I also like this. Uh, I think this. I don't know if they consciously made this decision, but like when you picture you know rural Midwesterners, uh, um, uh, you know, black people aren't necessarily the first choice. So I, I really love that they did. They did. They did decide to use a black family in this um, because yeah. I thought that turned you, a stereotype you can't a little accuse, bit. Uh, the crew that made this movie of, of whitewashing anything for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to whitewash in this. Um, but I, I, I both appreciated that, and then I kind of hated myself for noticing it a little bit. Um, but anyway, after I, he I helps, think you have to though in this day and age, like until it becomes a thing that isn't a thing like i think we have to notice it so that yeah uh, um i i guess i just the short of it is i appreciated it like yeah. uh it they didn't have to do it that way um but it's really kind of a good thing that they did because this is another way that like they didn't come out and say well like oh you just hate me because i'm a black man or you know like something really on the nose like Supergirl's no and there like, was tension i just can't wait until family. my fam- you know my woman or you know my my girl a, a girl my a kid can look up to you know sort yeah. of thing uh like supergirl does it like or did it at least um, so I, I like the way that they, you know, sort of just completely normalize that. And if you weren't over analytical about this kind of shit like that, I've, I've gotten to a point of being, you wouldn't have noticed. And that's the best way to have it. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, um, the, they help, you know, wrangle the horses basically and the family, uh, you know, having some, you know, good hometown hospitality says, well, you got to come, you got to come have dinner with us. Well, and this is, this is, it's important to note too. The only time that you see Xavier actually use his powers like intentionally. It, yeah is to help wrangle the horses yeah that 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 was also a pretty brilliant scene because you can see that moment where logan's like you little fucker like yeah. he, he's not supposed to be able to use his powers is the thing uh so i think they get back in the car and there's a short scene like you, you're not taking your pills take your fucking pills right now um th- that that's really good but this is also where we get that scene from the trailer where it's like i'm fucking 90 you know yeah <laughs> uh yeah. no i i loved it when when they invite him to dinner and he's doing everything he can to turn them down and xavier's just like that would be lovely yeah <laughs> look we can't really stay in charles is like set up my plate you fucker yeah <laughs> uh yeah no god that... damn it logan i'm hungry yeah um i love sweet corn too uh yeah no um, so anyway they, they ended up having dinner and this is where i start like uh there's a you know the part of the audience when you're like oh man oh man please don't Please don't hurt the family. Oh, the black family's the red shirts. God damn <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. There's that moment, like, almost as soon as Charles is like, we should go have dinner. I was like, you might as well just fucking gut them right here because there's no way they're walking away from this. This is going to be a brutal lesson for Logan of some well, sort. And... The the thing about this this particular scene, um, the dinner scene, and then what happens after with the water uh, going out and them having to go fix it, um, this is the real meta moment to me in this movie because, like, they have a really nice dinner and then... Uh, Charles and Laura are kind of settled into the spare room and uh and and just relaxing and enjoying like a real human moment for probably the first time in either of their well Laura's life ever but then like 
Charles hasn't experienced something like this in forever because he's been living in a fucking metal box and basically, yeah, Wolverine's care for however long. Um, but then like you've got Wolverine going out with uh with the dad to repair what's wrong with the water, and what they have to do is go to somebody else's property because that's where the water pump is. Um, they had an easement with the previous owner of the property and whatnot, and so it was never an issue. But now these guys want them to sell, so they're sabotaging the water every chance they get. Um, and you've got Logan having to do Logan things. Yeah, I love I love the redneck show up and the redneck <coughs> the redneck guy holding a shotgun standing there and is like, if you don't blah 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 and blah blah and like making threats and Logan's just like, look, uh, here's the thing, you're gonna stop being a dickhole and you're gonna go the fuck away. Uh, and, and, you know, like, I can't remember exactly what it says. It's been a couple of weeks since I've seen this scene, but it, it's just like, they're doing all this, you know, big threatening posturing shit and Logan's got no time for it. He's yeah. Just, and they're like, it, yeah, this is, uh, this is probably the first time you've heard this noise. Then he cocks his gun. He's like, yep, heard that more than I care to, you know, yeah. but, um, I just, Xavier and and this is coming into one of the penultimate moments in the entire movie, but Xavier at one point is laying in bed talking about how he doesn't deserve this this moment. And it made me really think about the fact that they really just enjoyed like a tiny slice of normality for like five fucking minutes or whatever. Yeah. But even in that five minutes, like Logan was having to be the heavy yeah. and do something. And I'm like, if that's not like, if that's not the real meta moment of the movie, I don't know what it is because like, it it's it's just one piece of storytelling, but it, it really illustrates the fact that it doesn't matter what normal is to everybody else. Like it's not for Wolverine. hurting people is normal for for Logan, whether he wants to or not. Yeah, um, that that's another incredibly poignant, incredibly good, brilliant thought, um, which I I super dug as well. Um, and then this this is probably the the first saddest part of like anything I've seen in the you know past year or something like that coming on on the screen next. Um, so leading up to this part of the movie, it's hinted at that the guys who are after X-23, uh, Laura Kenny, have other possible avenues for catching them. So they basically sent the hired mercs after them who are not really having a lot of time. So that, you know, they say something, you know, like, I'll have to resort to more desperate measures. And then they yeah. twirl the mustaches. And uh, yeah, they fired a different crew. Yeah. And as it turns out... Uh, the the more desperate measure is basically a Wolverine clone in his prime, which with nothing but anger and no and mutton remorse. chops, yeah, and mutton chops, it's sick fucking mutton chops. They, like, they really did the best they could, I think, to um to kind of create a a hybrid look of Hugh Jackman as as Wolverine in his prime, but they they threw a little bit of um of uh, Liev Schreiber in there, like he he looked kind of almost like a really perfect blend of of logan and and Sabretooth. yeah um yeah it was it was pretty pretty crazy you know it's funny that you mentioned that because uh definitely i can see that but it's it's not super pronounced like no when you're watching it like it it is uh, uh fantastically well done um and for those of you listening to the fact that i made a may have just made a reference to wolverine origins um, Liv Schreiber as Sabretooth was like that movie's one saving grace. Like it was so fucking good. Wasn't Liv uh, the the Sabretooth prior to that too though? No, no, just in that movie. Sabretooth prior to that was played by a um, former wrestler named Taylor Main. Oh okay. Um. Oh yeah, I remember that now. Um. Also played um, the uh, um Michael 
uh, Myers character from uh, the Halloween Rob Zombie remake. Oh, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so they, you know, they they do a, uh, an amazing job blending that, but in, in like one of the saddest I think things ever. Essentially, like the 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 first thing that this guy the the, uh, the uh, is it X twenty four I think it's X twenty four yeah X twenty four basically just goes and you know basically murders Charles uh, guts the family and um you know goes ape shit on Wolverine this is another thing like it, it like you see you take heroes take some licks in some other films like oh you just threw him into a wall and he bounced off and now he's down for the, like in Spider-Man or something like that uh you know he bounces off the wall and he's down for the count and it, it ripped his tights or whatever oh man that looks like it hurt you know and then in this one uh he takes a set of fucking claws in his fucking armpit like that is one of the most brutal things like that was so hard to watch yeah um and just seeing the viciousness with which both of them went after each other and all the slices and shit like that. Uh, man, is that so good. So brutal though. Um, but yeah, the, the way that, the way that he walks in, uh, um, when Logan figures out what's happened and he, he sort of, he manages to overcome X-24, uh, he walks into the room to gra- to grab Charles and, and, and it's just so sad when he says, it's not me, you know, like he hadn't fought X 24 yet, by the way, when he walked up there, like this was, Oh, that's right. He you're walked right, into right, the right, house backwards, backwards and X 24 was taking Laura and like, again, like this is Logan was forced with a choice, like go after Laura and save her or go attend to Charles. And like his loyalty still at this point in time is like a hundred percent with Charles. And like he ran up there instead of trying to save Laura. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not even, that's another good point. Cause you're right. I'm not sure he would have even gone after Laura. He really just went after X 24. Like he really just wanted to tear apart X 24 for, uh, uh, you know, basically I, I think, I think Logan knows at this point, like he, he doesn't let it on. Uh, but I think Logan knows Charles isn't going to make it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he just went after pure vengeance. Um, yeah. Cause he takes him out to the back of the truck and lays him out there. And then like Xavier dies, not in his arms, but like, metaphorically kind of just yeah and uh and he loses his fucking shit and goes after x24 and yeah it's one of the more brutal fight scenes yeah that i've seen in some time and it's important to notice too that um x24 is is portrayed by hugh jackman is whatever they did to, to but like he's so good at playing the old man logan ish character that he is throughout the majority of the movie that like you forget that he's not really that old and he is in super excellent shape and and that's kind of when you see him um as x24 like you're like oh fuck i forgot this guy really is that goddamn yeah he's terrifying yeah um and so i don't know there's a lot of interesting things here because you know at this point we also pretty much believe x23 uh laura kenny is an animal um and so it's kind of brilliant because <clears throat> logan gets the shit kicked out of him during the fight with x24 uh you know his, his guts are practically hanging out and he's not healing the way he should so he basically passes out um and laura actually takes him uh, this is this is so after the the scene on the farm um, and it's important also to mention that the, the dad character who, uh, the farmer, um, basically runs X24 into like a, a wheat thresher. Yeah. Like the, he's the only reason that Logan was able to walk away from the fight at all. Yeah. Um, and, and the same, for the same reasons, like the, the guy went after X24 because he just fucking murdered his wife and his kid. But then turns the gun on Logan and pulls the trigger, but there's no ammunition left. Like yeah. that was, and then dies. Like just 
straight up falls, falls over. over. And but, and see, that's the other thing. Like Logan's like not sitting there like, oh man, I can't <clears> believe you're doing this. Like it's like he's like, no, I get it, I, get it. I deserve yeah. it, you know, sort of thing. And that's that's another painful part too. Here is like he's Logan. Logan didn't do this. Logan didn't do anything except for exist. And uh, um, but he still feels responsible. For the cause of this, like it's his well, DNA. And like the whole thing is, is too. Like right the now. whole thing is like he didn't want to go to dinner with that family. Like he wanted to get on the road and, and get moving. Yeah. And so he he feels responsible because he allowed himself to be talked into that. Yep. Uh, also not lost on me because the, the same thing. Like I was watching this, and I was like, man, if they just wouldn't, they, they would have just gotten a motel room or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and so then we then we go to the point where like they drive away, um, and then and then bury Xavier who who's died, um, yeah. in one of the most painful moments of the movie, uh, but not or, not the last. It, it, not the last, but holy shit, man! Th- this is not one of the most painful moments of the movie. This is one of the most painful moments of the whole fucking franchise. This and is, then I'd even go past the franchise. Um, no, it, this is this is really, one of those things that when when they first announced that they were doing an X Men movie in like 1998 when they were started casting. Yeah, and they cast Patrick Stewart as Xavier, and I was like, "That is fucking brilliant!" Like that is I, I, I. There was two dream castings for uh, Patrick Stewart for me, and one was Mister Freeze. If they ever decided to do that in a Batman movie, which they didn't until later on, and they fucked that hard, they really fucked the dog on that. Um, but then the other one was Xavier, and I was like, "Man, that's that's it right there." Well, that's like, what's, that's what's funny. Like uh, pa- Patrick Stewart will tell that story. <laughs> And he'll come back and he basically says, you know, like, one of the ways that they got me to do it is somebody brought in a comic book and they were like, oh, and, and Patrick Stewart's like, yeah, they're really going to great lengths that they're going to draw me onto the, you know, onto the comic book. And his assistant or whatever is like, uh, that that's an old book. Like, yeah, he's yeah, like, that's... you know, or, or he said something or maybe it was just, you know, why, how did I get it on, on the cover of a comic book or whatever? Uh, and it's because it's a spitting fucking image. So, um, this is another one of the most painful things of the movie and, and even more painful now afterwards. Cause we've talked about this a little bit on the show, um, previously where, uh, uh, Logan, or, um, sorry, Patrick Stewart and, uh, Hugh Jackman actually at the premiere are, are getting, you know, teared up and, and Patrick Stewart kind of turns to, to Hugh Jackman and says, you know, I think, I think I'm done too, you know, like, so it's another, you know, sort of hard, hard thing here is cause that's, that's a definite, like, we know we're getting the closing chapter with Hugh Jackman and then you see this and you, and you, and I think Patrick Stewart, you know, must've been having the same moment that we were having watching this movie on, on the big screen, which is like, I, I just, I, you're not going to top that. Like, no. And, and like seeing, seeing him go like that after the initial, like, like I said, the initial excitement about hearing him cast as Xavier um, and then watching where it's all gone. And and then when they did first class and it didn't have anything to do with the cast of X-Men as we knew them. Yeah. Um, he and Ian McKellen both thought they were done at that point. And then, and then to bring them back to do Days of Future Past, they were just like, oh, I thought we were done. And they're like, no, we need you to come back for this. And so then it's like, oh they can keep them alive. Like they can do yeah. this kind of thing. Um, and then of course we had apocalypse, which didn't actually have, you know, those two in it really at all. I don't think, mm, um, I don't remember if there was even a cameo. So, so then you're just like, okay, so maybe, maybe now is when they're done. And then, um, they announced Logan. I didn't think anything of it. And then when I saw the initial trailer and realized that, that they did have Xavier in this movie, I was like, Oh fuck. Like this is, yeah, this is too like, perfect. Like this is too good. Yeah. Um, because the previous, uh, Wolverine movie didn't have anybody else from the X universe in it. It was, it was literally just Wolverine, 
Um, and then he met Yukio and, and then they did the whole silver samurai botch. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So this was, this was a sad moment and he buried him and he, he didn't have words. He was trying to think of something to say about the water and <laughs> whatnot. Yeah. And then you see Laura, you know, kind of walk up next to him and hold his hand trying to give him support. And like, he almost immediately like pulls away. Um, and then goes and leaves her in the woods <laughs> and, and can't start the truck. Like you get the impression that he's literally going to leave her in the woods and just drive away at that point. But the truck won't start and he just decides to beat the shit out of it with a fucking shovel <laughs> and then, and then just collapses in the middle of the road. And that's when Laura, like the next thing you know, like he's up in a hospital, um, or doctor's office and, and like you realize within a couple minutes that Laura actually stole the fisherman's truck and drove him there yeah i think this is a big turning point in the movie because this is really where laura becomes a human again like um this is is where it becomes clear that she's not just this little like creature uh, you know bred to uh, um kill things um that she's actually human again too so i think this is like a big turning point in the movie uh both you know both for the audience like the audience watching and realizing that you know she's not this this horrible creature that we maybe suspected her to be but also for logan as well um you know because she manages to show logan that sort of support and uh you know basically saves his ass um um this gets to i think that the next you know like we get another scene you know you see logan's stomach essentially and it's just like holy fuck and then you realize just how much he's not healing yeah and then uh the other you know scary sad part about this was like uh, when the doctor says like oh my god like he's like starstruck practically not because it's the wolverine but because he knows he's a mutant he's like oh i was so i was so hoping i would get to meet one of you uh um, at some point because mutants are at this point are so rare as to be like incredible to, to practically extinct at this point yeah. so whereas you know when you're when you're watching x-men one two uh three if you have to watch three i guess um if you lost you a don't or something. you don't because you can just pretend it didn't exist after days of future past yeah uh they're they're common enough that it's like uh the way that you know it's treated a little bit is like um if if the kid came out as gay or something like that like it's it's not so uncommon that uh you can't um you, you know you don't expect to run into one a- at some point so um that that's a little sad in, in the movie too like this whole movie is just bleak as all fuck i mean yeah. uh yeah so anyway n- now we get to the part where it's like um logan basically saying uh, I'm not going to take you to your fucking thing. There's nobody there. Uh, it was made up in a comic book, which we'd already learned on screen. And um, th- then finally he's just like, fuck it. Fine, I'll take you. And then you're going to see it. And you're going to be a disappointed little dumb bastard. And then that's the end. Uh, and then they kind of they go, um, but they meet the kids. <laughs> yeah. And she has to drive the rest of the way there, too, um, because he's falling asleep at the wheel because he's I mean, he's really not doing well. No, he's he's fucked up. And yeah. uh, and she convinces him just to pull over and, and get some rest for the night and whatnot. And she kind of waits until he's like just full on out and and gets out of the rig and goes around to the driver's side and kind of pushes his feet off to the side and <laughs> and just drives. Another great scene. Uh, and she's like 10. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, um. You also have found out at this point that she can talk right outside of the doctor's office is actually when she says something for the first time because she he says thank you to her and and she's like Donata yeah because she speaks Spanish mostly yeah and uh, he's like you can talk and she's like see like you know just starts going <laughs> off and he's like shut the fuck up like, 
That was it was so good how that scene progressed because they go from like her first two words on screen and we got to be a good hour into the movie at this point. We're almost done. Like this is yeah, this th- is like we're getting two, to the end of the movie. An hour and 45 minutes probably into the movie. Yeah, so we're we're getting to the end of the movie and we get her first words on screen and it progresses to less than 2 minutes later him saying shut the fuck up like yeah. she's just motor mouthing it. Yeah. Uh, so that that's pretty glorious, but um, in Espanol, yeah. So anyway, Wolverine wakes up basically, and uh, now we've met the kids. Like we, we essentially show up on the, this where the kids had all decided and agreed uh, agreed to meet, and uh, it's kind of funny because you know he wakes up in a bed uh, ha- after the kids have cut his beard into the sort of classic Wolverine, you know, like chops with yeah. the, the center free sort of thing. Yeah, he wakes up twice actually. The first time he wakes up. Um, he realizes they've been dosing him with the serum that they were giving to the uh, projects, essentially. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this stuff just makes you crazy. And the one kid was just like, Ricardo, I think. And he was like, no, he's like, if you use it in smaller doses, it's like, we're, we've been it's using it to heal you. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of a thing. And um, and so they're kind of this happy little tiny community for like a, a night and a half. Yeah. A uh, few days anyway. And, and then like the kids the next morning at dawn or before dawn are going to head and make their eight mile trek up to the border. Yeah. This is another good set of scenes too, because we get some, you know, more back and forth between um, Logan and Laura and, and Laura saying something like, uh, I don't remember exactly what the well, phrasing is, but she basically just calls him out and says like, you just don't care about me. Well, you know, he, like, he's the one that's like, he's like, I'm, I'm done. I took you here. This is what, you know, I said I would do. I even gave you back the money, like kind of a thing. Yeah. And, um, she was like, "Oh yeah, you're a real hero." Kind of a it's a very Star Wars moment between like Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but then uh, he's like, "Look, like, kid, use like, the Force, Luke." Yeah, he was yeah. like, "Look, kid, bad things happen to people I care about," and she's like, "Well, I'll be fine then." Yeah, you know that that's exactly it. That's and, exactly it. And I was like, "Damn, like yeah. you cold motherfucker!" Like that was a harsh line, like harsh, harsh, harsh yeah. to hear. Um, but so good. Uh, so again, another setup for the whole uh, relationship between the two of them. Um, and then, of course, the kids, you know, sort of start making their trick away. He passes out like he before that happens because he, he goes to sleep again and then he wakes up the next morning. The kids are fucking gone. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a vial of the medicine and it just, you know, it's like not too much at one time. You know, yeah. don't take the whole thing. And uh, then he realizes that there's drones following the kids and, and he sees the rigs and decides to go after him and not doing well like he's running uh, i mean and he's healed up quite a bit at this point but it looks like when i it like if i were to go out there and run after the kids like that are now a couple miles away in the woods it looks like what that would look like if i did it like he's he's visibly winded and uh you know about like the last over. time i ran around the block yeah yeah essentially did you end up having to call casey casey yeah. i've fallen again yeah yeah um, um it's but only happened to me like three times this year. So he he knows what's going on. He knows the kids are are getting ambushed and whatnot. And he he just he injects that whole vial of restorative juice. And uh, this is when you see like this is the most Wolverine that you see him. Yeah. Um, and it's fucking phenomenal. I actually saw him doing the uh, the ADR for this. There's a video that was going around online. So, yeah, I saw the same thing. Where he's just like, and he's like mimicking the movements in his little sound studio and whatnot like i was like holy shit like he's into it like this is oh he is yeah. like this is the other thing that's really sad about seeing him go is hugh jackman is another like sort of consummate professional and and also somebody who i think really has gotten into the the role in playing wolverine um so th- that's a really sad thing too and it's also fun because um 
you see Hugh, like Hugh plays Wolverine, and, and especially during this scene, like he's just a brutal fucking monster. And uh, that ADR scene is like Hugh turns on the drop of a dime, like, uh, and he's just the most lovable teddy bear person ever. Uh, um, at the end of that that ADR uh thing, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this, this scene's ap- absolutely brutal. We get a, a little more Wolverine, Laura Kenny tag team, which again was awesome. And you can see now that she recognizes exactly like, uh, uh, sort of that she, he, he cares for her. Um, and that's another, you know, I think brilliant part of this is there's no, it's, um, it's, it's more than that too. Like you, you understand or you, you, I, at least when I was watching this, I felt like she understood why he had been acting like he was. Yeah. You know, especially after their conversation at the camp when they were talking about nightmares and stuff like that. And because she was like, I had nightmares that people were hurting me. And he's like, ah, mine are different. You know, yeah. I hurt people. Yeah. And she was like, well, I hurt people too. Like, yeah. it's not like a, so. So again, there's so much, there's so much stuff that's so well done in the subtext here. Like he doesn't have to come like in the, you know, done by a lesser, um, I guess film, film, you know, creator, you know, set of people, uh, he would have came out and said, of course I care about you, bub, or something like that. You know, some stupid pithy little, you know, but it's not. It, the only thing that's needed, I think, for everybody, the audience, that the, uh, Laura is, is just the simple fact that he's there. Um, yeah. and, uh, knowing exactly what that means. Like, he just got his ass handed to him by X24. He's still not fully recovered, um, but he takes the juice. And now, you know, of course, he's got to go up against X24 as well. Um, which is another fucking Jesus Christ, man! Like amazing scene. Um, he didn't really even make it through all the reavers. Like that was no. So because um, the main the main reaver dude, I I can't remember what his fucking name was in this, but um, I can't remember what his name is either. But it's so satisfying to watch all the kids kill him brutally. Just like every kid just uses his powers like at the same time his yeah. or her powers and, and they just... all they all seem to relish in it a little bit like every single one of them is twisting the knife like so, you, you know, had the so impression that that guy was a thorn in their side like long before they ever escaped even yeah oh well he was i mean they show scenes where he's at the hospital or whatever yeah. but like um you can just tell they all fucking hate that guy with a vengeance um so that that was that was cool but i mean the scene between him and and fighting x24 and stuff like that so sad um because now he's he sort of slowed back down to you know old man logan sort of status and uh that's sort of you know sad to watch just on screen too that whole thing happen um and then of course uh you know the 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 big the big sad part here is uh he doesn't make it through um he's able to overcome x24 but uh he dies in the process not even like he didn't really even overcome x24 x24 like was going to kill him anyway and then like laura had logan's adamantium bullet that kind of comes into play during the conversation a few times throughout and yeah. literally shoots half his fucking head off like just that that was brutal as all hell too yeah um th- th- which is another thing that like i kind of think they had to do like with, with with wolverine with logan like if they just shot him we've already seen wolverine get shot in the head you know like uh and, and he just got up and walked away a little bit later uh we've even seen wolverine get shot like if you're if you're actually accepting x-men wolverine origins as, as any kind of anything yeah like we've seen him get shot with an adamantium bullet like that's why he didn't remember his entire fucking life up to that point yeah um but yeah this adamantium bullet was apparently a little bit more juiced up. I, I don't know if it's like a hollow point or what but yeah blew the blue fucking half of x24's head off um and then we get this you know painful goodbye essentially um and even then the, the, you just saw the movie today so can you remember like the last thing he says to laura um so this is what it feels like. 
yeah and not dying like he's talking about like genuinely like caring for somebody for you See, know, being, I think it's being both, though. I, I mean, I think he's talking about both, which is another good, you know, like I love the the, del- the dual layeredness of this is yeah. like you're watching it as an audience and you can you, you, you probably get the like I got the immediate feeling of like what he's talking about here is death. Like he's never experienced death before yeah. and never really had to fear it much because I mean, he's he's recovered from so many fucking, you know, things that should have killed him over the time. So you get that thing. But also th- that just that feeling you're describing, too. Um, yeah. And, and she calls him daddy like a couple of times, too, which like. I can't even really talk about without getting choked up. Oh, like it's, God. It's ridiculous. Oh, God. I, you know, I haven't cried in a movie in so long, and I, I won't go so far as to say it. Like, tears were shed, like, yeah. uh, which is so in, – and, and I'm sure this hit this hit you the same way it hit me, which is like, I, I got a little kid, and I don't want to die ever. Yeah, um, like, it, I, I think as a parent, like, it's 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 more so – than, yeah. than for somebody who who doesn't have kids especially like if you've ever had a young girl like if you've ever yeah. had a daughter like like you can immediately place yourself in those shoes and it's like brutally hard to watch so um that's all i've got so <laughs> yeah that that's that the um that's essentially the end of the movie there, there's not really a whole lot after that she buries uh um wolverine under some rocks under some rocks uh she gives the speech that she witnessed earlier in the movie from shane yeah. which is also very fitting and then they just sort of ride off into the woods, you know, like they, the, they just the last out. moment, the last moment that I thought was super, super great, though, is like because there was a cross above where they buried him and she goes back and turns it on its side and turns yeah. it on its side. So it's an X. And I was like, fucking a right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I didn't see that coming at all. And when she went back and did it, I was like, oh, that that is. Yes. So, so incredibly poetic and perfect that I just don't even know what to do with myself. right see, now. See, and the fact that they actually um killed him off was something to me because we knew this was his last movie. He, he, I mean, he'd already made that clear. Yeah. Um, you know, from the offset that, that he wasn't doing the character of Wolverine anymore. Um, but kind of up until even that last final moment, like I, I was kind of wondering sure if they were going to, if they were going to have them actually find the sanctuary um, and, and there would be somebody there who could heal him or something, you know, and, and, I, I they did. would just live out their days. Yeah, this this is like Rogue One, where like uh, as you're watching through Rogue One, uh, it's so uh, if you haven't already seen Rogue One, this is gonna be a huge spoiler too. But as you're watching through Rogue One, you slowly gain this glimmer of hope, like they they they're gonna make it out fine like they're just gonna it's gonna go be some afterthought and they're gonna give some reason why they didn't show up in a new hope uh and the same thing with with logan i'm watching it i'm like oh he's gonna be fine they're gonna get him to the sanctuary they're gonna kill it cure his adamantium stuff he's gonna lose the uh, the 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 adamantium and he's gonna go live out his normal you know rest of his life with laura and then they just twist that fucking knife man uh and that that was hard but also like a fitting send-off for the character all right. Before we leave Logan, one more thing I want to talk about uh, is what do you think the chances they retcon this are? Because now, first off, I don't think they could retcon it, but um, we are left in a future that is basically the darkest timeline. It's like twenty twenty nine or some shit. Yeah, it's twenty twenty nine. It's strongly implied that Charles Xavier has killed a significant number of mutants at his uh, uh, school. Uh, it, and mutants are all but dead uh they've been you know um forcibly bred out of the population uh mutants are all but gone entirely um we are left very open-ended with whether or not the kids even survive 
um fucking wolverine gets killed like the whole thing is bleak as all fuck like it is literally the darkest timeline and so um you know so where do you think that leaves us before we tackle that question before we tackle that question um i i'm gonna i'm gonna come out and i'm gonna tell you um this is loosely based on the old man Logan character. Like this is not the old man Logan story. Obviously um, that's important no to know. Like Hulk old man Logan actually came from like a dystopian future um, where it wasn't just mutants that were gone. It was pretty much everybody that was gone. Like the Hulk um, was full on evil, had a bunch of evil kids and like they're basically ruling over a wasteland at this point. Cause there's, there's not yeah. a lot going on. Wolverine himself was actually responsible for killing a lot of his friends. Um, for what reason i don't think they've ever even really elaborated on not so far i i get the feeling that we're gonna hear something eventually like mind control or he was under the power of magneto or something like that or well and i didn't read the few issues of old man logan um from the first volume which took place during the secret wars 2 um i have storyline where doom uh basically fractured the world into uh different different worlds for people uh to to have of their own like there was an age of apocalypse world there was the old man logan world um, okay. a whole bunch of other stuff yeah I and neither and i may go back and actually check that out too um just so i kind of am more familiar um with where that character came from from a storyline point of view um but i have read all of the old man logan issues from the current volume um yeah. up through current i think uh one just came out this week and i haven't read it yet but i think we're probably in the same place then yeah um so i don't I'm not being a stickler. I'm not being an asshole, but like, yes, the, the, the look of his character in this was based on old man Logan. Um, but the storyline is not old man Logan. Um, it, it isn't it, at all. So yeah. I, well, for one, I don't think there's any chance that, um, like it's, it's too late now. They're not going to go pluck old man Logan back out and drop him in the six one six. Right. Um, the, the, you know, I do think that there's a very distinct possibility. That's what they're going to do with Laura Kenny though. Laura Kenny. um, if they're going to use her as as Wolverine, she's going to have to grow up. I, I think so. I and, think I think and this at least a, be a a teenager, uh, late teens, uh, kind of character. I, well, I mean, Laura Kinney, one of the cornerstones I think of her character is that uh, she's got this relationship with uh, Logan, and I do think that 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 they could plausibly do that. Like I was kind of picturing their, them just sort of being like, and ten years later, and then they you know go pick her up or some way she shows up in the 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 regular you know world proper. Um, well, and they go from there. Deadpool two is going to introduce Cable, and Cable time slides. Yeah, all the time. Um, so I mean, you can have. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not un- unreasonable for me to think that like. I mean, it's not even unreasonable. Up. Even with the X Men world, because when I mean, Days of Futures Past, we've had the whole like time altering shenanigans and what have you. Um, but presumably, they'd want to have some methodology for, uh, um, you know, like if she gets plucked from you know anything, if they include Laura Kenny in this at all. I think a main part of the storyline's got to be like, well, we got to go prevent that future because that fucking sucked. Um, the question is then, how does how how do they do that in a way that doesn't you know like as much as I love Days of Futures Past for basically being like uh, uh, retconning uh, X three out, <laughs> I don't want them to do with that with Logan. And then you know you do have that problem where like um, so what happens? They pull, you know they they go pluck her back. 20, 30 I, years into an alternate timeline. And, I think uh, Fox has already confirmed that they're doing a soft reboot on the franchise, not necessarily like a full-on reboot. So I don't know that this movie necessarily gets retconned out of continuity. Um, 
but I do see a potential for recasting the Wolverine character. I gotta really, I think they could, I think they could still make a movie with Laura Kenny as Wolverine though, and not have to recast Logan as a character. I don't no. think they will, but I think they can. Well, I just mean if they pull her into um, the regular continuity, you, you know, like, don't you think that the, the first question she's going to ask is like, where's Wolverine or where, where's Logan? And they're going to be like, oh, he's on vacation. Uh, just check back after, you know, we send a few more truck loads of money to Hugh Jackman's house. I've sent Logan and X-Force off on a different mission. Yeah. They're away right now. Um yeah, so th- that was just my whole, um, you know, speculation. What, what do they, where do they go from here with the thing? And I, I think probably the the easy explanation is that in some way, Laura Kenny gets plucked back into, and probably an older, um, you know, different actress, Laura Kenny gets plucked back into the main continuity. I just, I'm curious how they handle this, if they're going to go with that, how they handle Wolverine in general. You know, I guess you know if they did do some sort of soft reboot shit, they may just recast him. Like when you say soft reboot, it, it's entirely possible that the only character we know or are familiar with from this timeline. Uh, is Laura Kenny like yeah. they pull her back into uh, um, uh, th- the world and she's kind of kind of explain what's happened over this and then that's sort of like a um, we see that a little bit even with like all new um, where you got young Bobby and, and, and uh, Cyclops and all that shit yeah um, so yeah I don't know time shenanigans is all I gotta say is probably gonna be the outcome I don't I don't know where we go with the X-Men franchise from here honestly it's 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 gonna be a tough road to hoe because well Hugh Jackman I- left behind a legacy the other thing that's the other reason I can see them kind of doing a soft reboot is there's so much baggage and let's face it not all of it's very good. Um there there's there's a few standout movies but on the whole of things most of the movies it, are mediocre it's, passing it's mediocre. It's not like the the MCU where like most in fact I'd say like 9 tenths of the movies are easily watchable with like you know the exception being like you know like Iron Man 2 or nine, Iron Man 3 9 tenths are are good even watching yeah. Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 3 like they're not my favorite of the franchises but they're uh, they you know that that's the but low if, point but if for FX them. happens to be doing a marathon like you they're on yeah yeah the, uh, the, those are certainly the low point for the MCU or certainly some of the low points for the MCU whereas the low point for fucking uh, um X-Men is pretty goddamn low like you know, X three and X Men Wolverine, X Men yeah. Origins Wolverine are just like, why? Why are you doing this to me? I mean, and I guess none of the rest of the movies are bad. Although Apocalypse really does rub me the wrong way. Like every time I see it, it's a little bit worse. But yeah, I do think that was kind of bad. Um, no, and, and it had a lot of potential to start out with too. Uh, following on the footsteps of Days of Future Past, so I was just like, why? Yeah, they went. The, I think they went in a lot of weird directions with that movie. So I mean, and it did have some good points. I really liked the Magneto storyline. Um. You know, when he was living happily with his family and daughter, and then, you know, of course, they're killed. Yeah. Um, But there was just a lot of shit in that movie that didn't need to be there, and they they fucked a lot of stuff up. They tried to tell a story that didn't need to be told, a la Green Lantern. Yeah. It it, it just ended up a lot like that, because they're just like, oh, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And I'm like, how much fucking movie are you going to make? <laughs> so. Yeah. So anyway, Logan, uh, damn, but I, I, it's going to be hard to top this movie. I think this five year. stars, man. I'm, I'm, I get yeah, five for stars sure. easy. It's, for sure. it's so good. Uh, th- there's few, very few contenders on my list, especially from like nerd culture movies that are even going to be close to this, this year. Um, you know, I just got to say star Wars, you get a high bar set for you this year. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously there's going to be other stuff that comes out, but man, um, I, you know, I said a lot of times going into this and I think we both did that. 
I really, really wanted this movie to be good because these guys have done a lot of work for these characters and they both deserve, you know, everybody deserves this movie to be good. Um, it's just sometimes that's not, not always how it works out, but damn, was this movie good. And I'm really, really glad that this movie is the way that they're going to close out uh, Jackman's run with the character because, it, it, I mean, it's just if so this movie amazingly sucked, good. That would have been so terrible. Oh, that. yeah. Like... Like, because at that point when he's like been on record several times of saying like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And it's not, like, you don't get a mulligan at that point. So, no. um, I, I, I'm so happy that it turned out really well, but I'm also so happy because the movie is fantastically good. And there's, uh, watch Fox work out a deal with the MCU like next year and be like, so you said yeah. if you could be an Avenger, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> dude, if they got Logan back as an Avenger, or if they got Jackman back as an Avenger, I, I, I mean, I, I think he should do that. Just period. Just stop. Just go um yeah so uh yeah so fantastic movie i think that's all that really needs to be said about it uh if you have seen it already i guess go see it again if if you've seen it already and you went way past the spoiler warning and you got this far uh i mean go see it anyway because it's still a really good movie and i think even ha- there's we basically broke down a two hour and 15 minute movie over the course of about an hour so i yeah. mean and i and honestly i was forcing myself to skim really hard on a lot of that because i don't want to talk about like we can easily turn a two-hour movie into a two-hour movie review. Um, uh, but wasn't our Force Awakens review like four hours, and the movie was only two and a half? So. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, this is another movie. Like I feel we can do that for, but um, we actually planned a whole episode this week, so uh, we're gonna go yeah. get some beers, and then we'll come back and, and have I some more episodes before I have to take one of Luna's pee pee pills. I just want you to know there's zero context for that for the entire audience. So I saw the Guardians uh, trailer on the big screen, which was awesome, and we'll talk a little bit about the Guardians later on, but. Um, still really excited for that movie, uh, that comes out in like a month and a half. So I'm super stoked. Uh huh. And I think I know what I'm doing for my birthday or maybe the day before my birthday. Yeah. Or maybe on my birthday. Yeah. I think it comes out May 19th. So it'll probably actually come out on my birthday. Um, alien covenant, man. I did see the covenant trailer and that looked pretty good. So here's the thing. And I'm not though. an alien fan either. That should be noted from the outset, but I did, I did. You know, I was actually one of the four people I think that kind of like Prometheus, probably because I'm not really an alien fan. I actually love Prometheus. I thought it was really good. It was hard to get into at first because it's it's a little it's, uh, it's very story driven more than action. Yeah, and there are some plot. I mean, there's some plot issues with it. Um, Fastbender was amazing in it, though. Yeah, he was. Um, but so I um the my only criticism for the trailer so far that I've seen is that, and this could just be shut up, Luna. Yeah, and this could just be because uh, of of Paxton just passing away recently, but it it really almost seems like kind of a remake of Aliens with uh, um, uh, Danny McBride in the in the <laughs> Paxton role. Yeah, I yeah. mean, not that he says "game over" during the trailer or anything like that, but like it kind of said it during the movie, it wouldn't throw me off that much. No, um, but honestly, I really like, Aliens is is one of my all time favorite movies. Just period. Um, not and and I'm not a huge fan of the whole xenomorph mythology either, but like that movie, Aliens, is one of the first like sci-fi movies that I remember scaring the piss out of me the first time I saw it. Yeah, it's a, it, it is. Um, th- there's so much suspense in that movie, and they do it so well. I think that's probably why it it gets regarded so highly in the in that re- method that regard. Yeah, I really really liked it. Um, other trailers of 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 mention that I saw. Um, is one that I actually haven't seen a ton about, and that's the Circle with Tom Hanks and uh, Emma Watson. I didn't. I don't know that I saw that one. Um, 
so Emma Watson uh, plays a character who goes to work for this company called The Circle, and they're like, um, they take really good care of their employees, but they also um, kind of watch everything they do. Like, so it's kind of a, a big brothery kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you get the and John Boyega is in it too, and he looks he looks like he's he's actually got a super big role in it as well. Um, and she kind of has to like try and rebel against that the the whole system of the circle and everything like that because the trailer starts out kind of innocuous and and innocent enough and then like as it builds you realize there's there's something to miss gotcha. going on with the company um but you got hermione and you know tom she, hanks uh, that, that'd be great i have to rebel against this and then john boyega shows up i got you fam you know yeah <laughs> yeah he's like i found this lightsaber is it yours and she's yeah. like um wrong wrong movie yeah Just, I've been trying to give this thing away for now, you know, for, you know, a good, I don't know, 85 minutes of screen time. Yeah. Just take it already. Um, yeah. Everybody's just trying to get rid of that lightsaber in, in The Force Awakens. Like, everybody that picks it up is just like, no, you have it. No, you have it. Yeah. Hot potato, hot potato. No, um, I actually saw the full theatrical trailer for uh, Ghost of the Shell as well. Yeah, I still, I don't know that I even want to talk about that because it's looking pretty disappointing. I, I will watch it when it's available uh, for home release. Yeah, same. I'm not going to go to the theater and see it as much as I I, I love my boost car, Joe. Yeah, I, I want it to be good, but um, number one, they passed Scarlett, or they, they cast Scarlett Johansson, which tells me about how well they respect the source material. So, um, you know, it, it's just don't get me wrong, I like Scarlett Johansson, uh, obviously, but I think this is kind of a legitimate case of whitewashing. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of definitely. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, maybe not a great move. Um, yeah. So. But I did, I did, I did see some trailers that uh, that I actually enjoyed this time. There's a fucking lot of them too because I I went to a 3:30 p.m. screening. Didn't of, start the movie until like 4:30. <laughs> didn't start the movie until probably close to four, and then like because it was six fifteen, I think, by the time I was actually out. Yeah. So, the, the, I can't believe half hour trailers like every time, like, especially for a movie like this. The whole point of this of me going to see it at 3:30 was like I'm gonna go see it. I'm leaving work early. I'm gonna go see the movie. Um, I'm going to go pick up my comic books at the comic book shop and then I'll be home in time to actually spend time with my family and whatnot, uh, before I do the podcast tonight. And then I got home at like a quarter to seven, <laughs> like maybe seven o'clock. And like my kids are like, well, we're up for another hour and then we're going to cruise out. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, I guess let's get back into the actual show, show notes. We, we've got, we have so oh, shit. There's show notes. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to get through all this tonight. We're, yeah, we're already, know. we're an hour and a half in already. Um, okay, well, we got some quick. We got some quick news. We got a lot of quick news in here, actually. Uh, so, first news: we're, let's go DC for a little while. We spent some time on Logan in the Marvel universe. We're going to come back to Marvel in a second, but DC. Uh, Harrison Wells is is direct. Tom Cavanaugh. Um, I was going to say it, it, his real name is Tom Cavanaugh, but he's played so many versions of Harrison Wells at this point that he might as well be Harrison Wells himself. In fact, we may find that out. Um, Tom Cavanaugh plays uh, Harrison, or Harrison Wells plays Tom Cavanaugh playing Harrison Wells. Like a dude playing a dude playing a dude. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Harrison Wells is going to uh, direct an episode of The Flash. Um. So again, uh, following up with this joke, uh, that means I think at some point Harrison Wells or you know Tom Cavanaugh may actually be doing the whole show by himself. Like he's just going to be over there holding a boom, and then he's going to be like, "Hey, uh, Tom, we need you to play um uh Barry's mother this this scene," and um <laughs> that's totally going to happen. And and you know. We, I'm not even making fun because I think that I would walk away thinking, you know, uh, Tom Cavanaugh played a pretty convincing uh, 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 Norris Allen. Yeah, yeah, Nora, Nora, Nora Allen, Nora Allen. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good, man. 
he is he's really good. He's kind of understated, I think. Like I believed he was Grodd. Uh yeah. <laughs> I mean So yeah, no, I, I enjoy that. And and I think it's it's fun. I mean, we always we always think it's a blast when somebody like Kevin Smith gets a uh, a chance to direct an episode or two of The Flash or Supergirl or whatever, but then like when like one of their own gets to go behind the camera and and kind of run the show for for an episode, I think it's it's um Welling started doing that when Tom Welling took over on Smallville as executive producer for season 9 and 10. Yeah. Um especially season 10 cuz season 10 he was like the sole executive producer. Um, and I think that was a season like Justin Hartley, who played, um, Oliver Queen got to direct an episode. Um, it, I like it because a lot of actors who work on shows like this, um, don't necessarily get that opportunity. I don't get the impression that these shows are necessarily like that. Um, well, I think the thing is, I mean, there's a couple of things like, uh, I think watching at home when we start seeing, uh, actors, directing episodes a lot of the times the tendency is to think like i mean i you know it's it's like when you're watching a baseball game and you know we're we're at the you know top of the eighth and and you know one it's it's five to one or something like that all of a sudden you let your relief pitchers come out you know um and so i kind of get that feeling a little bit when you let uh um, cast members direct but on the other hand there's some really competent cast members and people like tom who've been in the business a long time i i think directing as an actor is kind of a natural progression because I mean, as an actor that's been around for a long time, like you've been directed a multitude of times and you understand it can be what you enjoy, you know, like how you like being directed, what's effective, you know, to get the most out of you. Um, and hopefully you can transition that into being doing the same thing for other people and whatnot. It doesn't always work that way. Um, but like Chris Evans, like we know, and we'll talk about him a little bit uh, as well, but like we know that that's one of his aspirations as well is to go and actually like direct. Um, I believe Rosario Dawson uh, just directed um, a movie uh, pretty recently and fucking um, somebody who I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, but I mean, there was somebody who you wouldn't even have thought like just directed a short film uh pretty recently that that did really well at uh at one of the film festivals that they just said i think it was it might have even been sundance yeah i don't know it's but. a different it's a different skill set so um i think it can be a natural progression but like in the same way that not everybody like um i was just listening to a podcast talking about the peter principle um which is basically like uh you tend to stop at whatever station you're shittiest at. So like, let's just say you're a, you start off as like, say a receptionist or something like that. And you're a really great receptionist. So you get bumped up to like, uh, you know, whatever the next progression level is after that. And then eventually you're the manager, but as it turns out, you're not a very great manager. So you never get bumped up to say like C level or whatever. Right. Um, so you, you tend to you tend to get stuck there, um, and that's because you know. Let's face it, there's that very different skill set from being a really awesome receptionist versus being a really awesome manager. And while there are some small amounts of crossover, that they they're not necessarily um, uh, an- analogous. And I think that same thing is true um, when you talk about acting and directing. Like those are, I think, two very different skill sets. Um, and so, well, more often than not, too, we we tend to stop where we're comfortable uh, because. Yeah, you it don't want to. You don't want to feel like you suck at your job it, for the rest of forever. It takes a lot to step outside of your comfort zone and, and even take the chance that you might suck at doing yeah. something else. So yeah. So anyway, cool. Uh, happy to see you know Tom Cavanaugh. We just, we're just we're big Tom Cavanaugh marks over here. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
All right, so um, it's been uh, I don't know. Let's I guess we're gonna five minutes. To, we're gonna have to reset the counter now because there's another Batman rewrite yeah. happening. I don't know. I don't even. I don't. I mean, I I just threw this in there because it's it's now at this point it's it's more funny than anything else. Yeah, you know. Hey guys, we've 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 got a script and a screenplay that the studio and all the actors involved really like. Um, let's pitch it and yeah. and do something new. Just toss that one out. If you could just go set that in a waste bucket and just set it on fire for so we can make sure it's really gone and then redo that again. Um, it's, it's important to note when we talk about this though that also Ben Affleck just earlier this week uh, released a statement on Facebook, um, basically confirming that he just has completed uh, treatment for alcohol addiction. Um, interesting. Not for the first time in in his life but uh you know and he said all the pr things that you're supposed to say when that happens that uh i regret the hurt that this may have caused that and I, uh, well know, not yeah. even not even that yeah. just that he was looking forward to this being a new start and that this is only step one in in uh, the progression of becoming a, a better person and yada 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 not that i'm making fun of ben i mean it, obviously big kudos to anybody who recognizes that they've got a problem and actually takes steps to do something about it uh i'm just not a big fan of the super pr spun statements afterward yeah i don't know pierre the, these days like you'd almost kind of wish they'd just come out and say like yep fucked uh, up fucked up yep sucks not happy about it either yeah i'm gonna try not to fail again but let's face it i probably am at some point because we're human and that's what happens that's sometimes. what happens yeah uh it doesn't sound as good doesn't sell i think as well on like when you do the talk show talk show circuit um yeah i mean and, and let's face it there are also like for the infinite number of times when people fuck up and then continue to fuck up, like, <clears throat> you know, for every 50 of those, you get at least one that's like, yeah, I fucked up. Um, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, I think, um, Daniel Radcliffe is, is one of those. Like, there was a time when, um, he was like, especially like from making, um, the sixth Harry Potter movie and then doing the seventh and eighth. Um, uh, oh, know. is he like getting into the stuff? He was he was drunk all the time, and he didn't drink at work. But like he was like, I would go to work still drunk, you know. <laughs> Does that count? Yeah. yeah. So um, um, I don't know. I, I really hope that I, I don't have to ever do a show where it's like, yeah, sorry guys, Robert Downey Jr. fell off the wagon again. You know, like, you know, that's kind of one of those things where like, yeah, I hope it doesn't happen. But at the same time, if it did, I'd be like, yeah, I'm. I mean, we got a lot of good years. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Uh, and, and you know, it see, was kind of like when Lane Staley died, or that's, that's uh, not Lane Staley, but Scott too, Weiland, like, uh, just a couple of years, a year and a half ago. I'm like, well, I mean, that's the kind of thing too. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I've I've been surrounded by a lot of people with addiction issues in my life, and I I just kind of expect the worst now. Like, uh, you just kind of expect at some point that that that, that something like that goes wrong, and when it doesn't, it kind of surprises me. Yeah, it's weird. I have been surrounded by by addiction. Um. I think, my I think entire it, life it's and not in cra- it's not that crazy like, like uh, on varying levels i think a lot of people have or ha- either have some addiction in their life personally or have you know been around people who have been addicted i i, I have zero patience for for people though that that are in that spot and it's not because i don't okay it is because it's exactly because i don't understand it like i um i Casey and I were you were talking with you about like caffeine earlier before the show and how like I just I don't drink a ton of caffeine anymore so when I do it like it it messes it, it messes with you yeah like, like it, it was up get the three in the morning kick, watching yeah. Iron Fist um which we'll talk about in a little bit yeah but um but there was a point in time where I like I got up and realized that like I like I wasn't doing shit without coffee and I don't like it. When, oh yeah, see, when, when other things have that much control over me to the point where I'm, I'm just I'm like firmly in the caffeine caffeine death grip, like I, I can't yeah. even like um 
uh, especially now because I'm driving to work. I got a bit of a commute going on. Uh, Whereas like a couple months ago, you like you basically rolled out of bed and, and just if I took three more rolls, I'd probably be. It was it was almost in, in as close as to go piss at, at at the at the store rather yeah. than. So uh, I'm driving to work now, so it's like. Ash, I need you. Um, so Ash gets up with the kids, and I get up a little bit later. Uh, so I, I, I've sort of bribed her into like making me coffee in the morning because it's like I can't drive to work. I can't drive. I can't drive a half an hour, forty-five minutes with no coffee because I will inevitably fall asleep and die, um, and probably kill some cows because I have to go through kind of like farm country or something like that. Um, so <laughs> inevitably, like I'm, I, I'm going to take some poor cattle with me and they don't necessarily deserve that. And if I do, it's going to wreck the meat and they're not even going to be good steaks anyway. So, uh, you got to make me coffee. So yeah, I'm definitely firmly in the grip of caffeine. Uh, I'm planning to do a, a retrospective, like a 12 step program. I'll probably at some point announce that, uh, you know, I, I regret my actions and the people they may have hurt and, but I'm going to try to do my best this time and I'm just going to take it one day at a time. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm such a stubborn asshole that I can't, I can't fathom like, um, anything having that much control over me. Yeah. So I just, I just, yeah, the mind of an addict is not something that I'm, there's, that I'm there's, I, you know, that's a, that's another thing. Like into. the mind of an addict is a, a very different thing too. Like there's a lot of people, um, who famously do not drink because they don't like it. Like they just flat out, like I, I had this feeling, you know, the first couple of times I ever got drunk too, it was like my mind's doing things that I don't, I didn't really have any say over or, you know, like I didn't have a lot of say, like, I, and don't get me wrong. I've never been one of those people like, Oh, I accidentally fucked uh, my best friend's sister or something like that. And I was drunk and it doesn't count. Uh, cause that shit really annoys me. Like I've never, ever felt like I'm out of control of what's going on. It's more just like, I'm noticing now that I am, you know, experiencing euphoria or something along those lines. So which for know. me is almost immediately, uh, followed by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing too what's the worst thing you've been you've done while drunk uh you know i fell asleep during a movie or yeah, something yeah like that. I, I fall asleep pretty I, easily <laughs> I, I, I puked on my friend's plants one time um Dude, my buddy my buddy ryan was at my house one time um and i i think this was when when my ex and i first separated and whatnot and he, he came over and with the intention of getting me drunk yeah and uh instead ended up like throwing up all over like my flower bed right outside my front door <laughs> and i'm like you know i have a bathroom right and he was like no no it's cool I, I'd, I'd rather do it out of here i'm like yeah but now it's gonna be there like <laughs> no you know i've just got puke on my flower yeah. bed thanks a lot <laughs> asshole yeah. um so yeah all right anyway that's a digression too so let's talk marvel but i mean it's batman so that's yeah, I, I mean, I guess what we're saying is that reading news about the DC's, you know, Batman adaptation. It's, it's driven is, us to drink. It, it makes us want to drink, yeah. Um, all right, so let's move to Marvel. Uh, so you, you, tell me about Vader Year One. Dude, this is awesome. So uh, Marvel Comics is getting ready to launch a new Vader series. Um, oh, I get it now. Sign me the fuck up. Yeah, and this is this is actually going to be like year one after. Um, kind of, it's, it's going to immediately kind of take after episode three. I was gonna say we're picking right up from Mystify then. Yeah, so so awesome. you're you're gonna you're gonna see like firsthand like what Vader did during that time. Awesome. So, um, don't have dates on that yet. I don't I don't remember um exactly. I think I think we got a couple months before that comes out. Yeah. Um, speaking of comics, before we jump on into Inhumans with Dan Casey. Which we're not going to talk a ton about because there's a link to a video that Dan Casey will actually walk yeah, you through. Yeah, I actually just kind of need that. Like, I was going to say the same thing. Like, I don't think we need to talk about that. I just need to, you know, here's a helpful link for people like me who don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, I, I did manage to reserve um, my copy today at the comic book store of X-Men Prime, which is going to follow in Inhumans vs. X-Men, which we will Ooh. talk about on the show next week because we'll finish the series. Um, it's all out now, so we'll, we'll finish oh, it up. Challenge accepted. Um, and then talk about it next week. But uh, So yeah, I reserved X-Men Prime, and I did uh, get my subscription started for X-Men Gold, which comes out at the end of this month, uh, which is written by Mark Guggenheim. Dude, I, I might want to read it. I think I'm going to read it just for that because I, I either need confirmation that he's a tool, or you know, like I need to be surprised. This is this is funny because before I realized this was a Guggenheim book, like this is the one that I wanted. Yeah, and uh, then then you're like, uh, and then I saw Guggenheim uh, was writing it, and so today oh. I'm at the comic shop and I'm talking to the guy behind the counter. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to subscribe to it because I'm going to see if he's better at writing X Men comics than he is at writing Arrow episodes. Yeah. Uh, although I will give him, um, as much as you're not into Arrow right now, uh, Arrow season five, it, don't get me wrong. It's not like season two glory level, but it's much better than season four. I'm, and I'm so gonna, far I prefer it to season three. I'm going to tell you that I actually, um, enjoyed the last few episodes that I watched. The only one that I haven't watched yet is the most recent one, which I've actually heard is getting rave reviews right now as well. So the most recent one is very good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not entirely down on it. Um, Still not necessarily sure what the fuck Guggenheim's thinking sometimes, but... Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, while we're talking about that, um, because we don't have it anywhere else in the show, um, we could talk about this most recent episode of Flash as well, just real quick, because um, you were watching it, and actually we're, we're, we're maintaining your cool on Twitter, because a lot of the time you, you tweet stuff, and I'm like, hey, fuck off, fucker. <laughs> yeah. but, I, have, I have this tendency to, yeah, um, as much as I try to be a little bit spoiler conscious on the show, which, let's face it, we're not very good at, uh, uh, I have a tendency to, like, if you follow my Twitter, it, it basically is active for, like, three to four hours a week in which I'm, I'm basically tweeting during the shows that I'm watching or whatever like that. Um, and so the flash was the same way. Like this week, I, I wanted I wanted to tweet about stuff, uh, but it's, but it's I wasn't funny, sure. I only get notifications it. when two people tweet, and one's you, and the other one's Kevin Smith. Yeah, and <laughs> and so I'm just like, what the fuck? And yeah. uh, but like this week, I actually I, I guess I had watched it before him, um, and and I I wasn't paying attention to my notifications, so I get up the next morning. He's like, I'd be tweeting more about this if I knew that. Matt had seen it already and I was like fuck you I watched it before you did yeah um so now now you guys missed out on all those tweets you could have had in which I spoiled the flash for you um you have to follow our personal accounts though which would be at the brutal one for me or or at Charles E. Smith for, yeah. for Eddie but um it it was this this week's episode of Arrow was I or um, flash was pretty pretty good except for like the last like five minutes where I'm like Jesus CW Christ. just puked on my dick like yeah. literally <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the whole, the whole thing is a little bit overshadowed, but okay. So, um, I love the Jay Garrick interaction, although that was a little bit, a little bit too much like a uh, plot MacGuffin I'm, for me. I'm not entirely positive that Jay Garrick isn't going to be the aforementioned friend who betrays him later on. I, well, you know, that wouldn't be shocking either. Um, uh, and unless they're just roping the, um, Eddie Thawne is Savitar into that whole thing. And he's the friend that betrays. Which also wouldn't surprise me because, as we know at this point, Eddie Thawne is definitely Savitar. Yeah, that that was one of the things that I was going to tweet because uh, Matt Matt had texted me earlier last week and said, uh, "So Eddie's Savitar, uh, the end." Uh, th- that like he he was not like, "Do you think that's the case or anything?" He's like, "No, that's just what it is." Um, and at the time, I was like, oh, "I could see, yeah, that's probably pretty likely. I, I could see that happening." And then I watched this episode and I was like, "Well, never mind. Eddie Savitar, the yeah. end." 
Um, it, um, uh, here's I'm going on record right now. If Eddie is not Savitar, um, I will drink beer the entire show following <laughs> following that that reveal. That is a rough challenge, but I I, I think you're brave for uh, taking that on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Eddie Savitar. That was one plot takeaway from this week's Arrow and a CW. Just fuck. I mean, you you've done such a half decent job of not totally CWing up uh, uh, this show. And just please stop right now because uh, we get more just completely illogical bullshit this week, um, which we already saw a little bit last week. And I, I was kind of commiserating about the fact that like um, Iris was getting all pissy because Barry just straight up loves her and wants to save her life. Like the uh, you know that that's the big thing. And then this week it's like you know how I uh, uh, proposed to you last week and blah blah blah. It's like well this week uh, we need to break up. He's like I love you so much. I think we need to break up. Yeah. Way to go, Barry. Way to yeah. take that. You definitely, you took the lessons you learned in the Speed Force and applied them in the stupidest fucking way Here's, here's the thing, man. Like, how do you break up with Candace Patton? She's hot. Dude. Dude, she's so hot. She is so hot. I, she actually posted a picture or something like that on uh, Twitter. It happened. It's funny because um, I don't really obsessively follow uh, really anybody on Twitter, but I happened to be opening it up and I was scrolling through um, and she posted this uh like photobomb picture it looked like a photo booth thing like of uh steven amell photobombing her inside the photo booth mm-hmm. thing and like the only thing i took away was like i, I stopped and i was looking and i was like she is so pretty like yeah she i mean she's just so pretty and i, and I like looked at it again and i was like oh, okay i gotta get some work done so you, I, you, know, you know who else is too that going. that like drives me nuts sometimes steven amell yeah that too <laughs> uh daniel panabaker um caitlin snow like yeah. she like this is another CWism. We, like everybody on everything on the CW basically has to be uber hot, or you know you can't. Or cast Tom him. Felton, I guess. Hey, Tom sorry, Felton. Actually, sorry, Tom. He's a handsome man. Uh, he's just uh, he just looks ten years older than he actually is. Well, I think that's probably male pattern baldness. He maybe. Well, no, I think the bigger thing is that like uh, we're used to seeing him. Like when we saw him on on screen, mostly he was probably eighteen, nineteen, twenty ish or something like that. And so it's actually little legit been like ten years and. We're expecting to see young Tommy. And, well, and no, I, I looked up how old he is. He's not as old as you'd think by looking. And, and I'm not talking shit. Like some people look older than others. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm pleasantly chubby at this point, so I already look <laughs> not as old because of that. But I mean, I've never really looked as old as I am. Yeah, I, I still. But, um, I get carded basically every single time. I, still. I still do sometimes too. The only thing that's helped is, you know, since I started growing the beard and I have this very big, obvious gray, uh, now I get carded less. I don't less. have that. I don't have the gray at all. I get, I get carded less, but I still get carded. And I'm like, bitch, are you looking at my face right now? Like, do you think I'm like 18 and, a, and this is just like, I'm like rogue? I'm like the male version of rogue or something? I'm, I'm literally 40 in a year and I get carded still. So That's rough. I know, right? Yeah. I don't care though. You can be like, hey, I'm over 39 now. You don't have to do this anymore. That's, that's one of those things, like, everybody makes a big deal about being 40 and whatnot. And, like, I'm like, what's the big deal? And, like, and then I, I tell people that, and they're like, well, you don't look like you're 40, so that's probably what... Then that's the big deal. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. We're all just pissed because we look old now. Yeah, oh, yeah maybe. Um, I don't know. I think 40... All my friends have more gray hair than me, and, like, most of them are younger. I don't think 40 is as big a deal as it used to be. And maybe this so. is because... I think it's because people live to 100 now, so it's not even... Not- I also think where you're looking through it with the lens of youth, like when you're 20, 40 might as well be fucking 400. Uh, um, but when you're, you know, 30 or whatever, 40 is like, nah, I'm just going to be older. Like Everything's my- going to be a little creakier and I'm not going to be able to move as well. But one thing I got going against me right now is I'm not near as good a shape as I'd like to be. So it's kind of yeah. one of those things where I'm like, uh, probably this next year is going to be a big test for me because I, I do want to hit 40. 
um, not wondering if I'm going to have a heart attack because of something that I ate yesterday. Yeah, I just, I can't help but feel guilty every time I look at somebody like Goldberg. And I'm just like, he's like 50 or fucking whatever. Oh, um, I've or, never been in that good a shape. Like, yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, at my peak, <coughs> at my peak, I'm not even sure I could carry his barbell to him. You it, know, like. It doesn't help that Natalie's favorite place to eat, like when we're out and about and like can't make dinner is McDonald's. No. And McDonald's has the Grand Mac right now. And like, that's the thing that I've always <laughs> wanted my entire life is a Big Mac that's actually worthy of the name Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is rough i've eaten like six of those since they've been out and yeah. that's not okay it doesn't really help that i have almost zero willpower and so uh and i definitely like do you want to talk about addiction but like stress comfort well like anytime that like i've had even a kind of quasi bad day it's like you know what sounds good i could make homemade macaroni and cheese with bacon fried into it all right let's do that you know see see i think i think that might be on the menu for wrestlemania Oh, yeah. Let's 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 talk about how fat we are, and then plan how we're gonna get even fatter. <laughs> well, see, WrestleMania is like kind of my my like. I mean, it is the Super Bowl essentially for for uh, for us for us sports entertainment fans. Yes, yes. I, um, I enjoy, and I, and I'm probably gonna try and put together a bigger spread um, with with yours and Bailey's help for WrestleMania in two weeks. Of course, than we normally do. Um, although I'm I'm I'm. I'm not going to have uh, the older two kids, so I think you might be off the hook with the salsa and the guac, <laughs> since we've done that the last two pay-per-views running now. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, anyway, let's let's Dan Casey, um, Nerdist. Dan Casey's kind of the resident comic book guy at the Nerdist. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them read comic books and whatnot, but like he's kind of like the guy that does the research and, and probably doesn't have to do a lot of the research because he's, he's legit a comic book nerd. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he, he breaks down the Inhumans kind of from the beginning, um, almost all the way up to current and whatnot and talks about, you know, what we will see in the show probably and, and what we probably won't see in the show and, and those kind of things. Mostly, I think it's probably going to focus on the Royal family. Yeah, I think so too. Which would be Black Bolt, uh, Medusa, uh, Max and the dog Crystal. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, like we said, we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time talking about that because you, you like I, just kind of need to check it out, uh, dear listener. Or uh, I, I guess you could, you know, just tell us. Oh, I already know that fucker. Um. But you know, well, I, very productive. I, it was super helpful for me because I'm not aside from the Inhumans versus X Men thing. Like I, I, I don't the... really touch the Inhumans in in terms of comic books. They've been around for a long time. I guess back in the '60s, the Fantastic Four first ran into them and whatnot. Yeah. Um. And Inhumans chronologically. Um, in the comic book timeline have been around longer than mutants. Yeah. Um, cause they're ancient. The, I mean, the, the, the genome was, was invented by the Cree. Yeah. Um, and, and they were going to use them as, as kind of super soldiers and whatnot. And they set them up to live longer than other people so that they could kind of act as, as sleeper cells and whatnot. But the project was abandoned and then we just have inhumans. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really all I'm going to get into on that. Um, we will talk a little bit more about them next week after we've finished in Humans vs. X-Men. Um, and I'm really going to enjoy the next couple months in comics where we kind of get a renewed sense of urgency around the X-Books. Because as much as the Inhumans um, have been a part of Marvel for a really long time, they've only recently been a big deal because the X-Men um, movie properties are owned by Fox and 
Marvel's, Marvel's just doing their dictatry with the the whole redhead stepchild it, thing. It really seems like that's over at this point. I hope I, it is. I think it is. And uh, and so we're looking forward to bringing you guys all kinds of information about the X Men Gold team, the Blue team. Uh, there's a new Cable book coming out. There's a new Weapon X book coming out. Um, yeah, lots of lots of good. There's Generation X is being rebooted, um, which was one of my favorite comic books back in the '90s, and it's going to have um, Jubilee as one of the instructors um, for the new team. That's of, actually of younger mutants. Outstanding. Yeah. So. Um, excited about about the the new up and coming X Men stuff. Um, I want to jump this one. Uh, so the next thing, Chris Evans' contract is officially done after Avengers Four. Yeah, his current contract. I mean, this is the thing: is a lot of people are saying, "Oh, what are we going to do after Chris Evans?" Well, they can we just don't sign him. We don't know uh, I mean, that he's really not going to. Yeah, I mean, it, I I can. It, it's very realistic for me to think that he's not going to sign another huge deal like he did the first time to be in as many movies. Not unrealistic for me to think that he might sign on to do a couple more and then have kind of a a, a pay per basis like Downey Jr. does, or you stuff. know, like a, a minor you know sort of cameo type of thing. Um, I don't know. I don't think that he's going to be really a headliner, you know, so to speak. After this, I think it's going to be more like part timers when you're watching wrestling or whatever, like. After Steve Austin sort of started stepping away, and then he'd come out for you know WrestleMania or whatever, he'll be the he'll be the commissioner for a while. Yeah, something like that. Like, um, I, I don't I don't know. It just depends. Like, he's already gone on and said a few t- different times that like he's really kind of ready to be done and he wants to direct and all that kind of shit. So it wouldn't actually surprise me if he says you know thanks, no thanks, because um, you know he's made enough money that he doesn't really have to worry about working for a long time. Not not to get overly political during our comic book uh, movie discussion, but uh, if anything keeps him active as Captain America, it's going to be the Trump presidency. Dude, and that that's one of the reasons why I'd like it. Like, if you don't follow Chris Evans on Twitter, you should, because it is really fun watching him. Like, uh, uh, I think I literally got to tweet something along the lines of, like, let's watch the leader of the KKK and Captain fucking America uh, uh, go 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 to town on uh, Twitter, and yeah. of course, ca- it, Captain America all the way. I mean, there, there's just Team Cap here, and then a bunch of rednecks. Yeah. Uh, so that that was, um, you know, that that's gonna be the sad part of losing him. I think too is he's such a good fit for Captain America, um, and maybe that's because we've seen him and we've seen him do it so well so now. I, I think he really kind of embodies the ideals of of what it is that Captain America he, is. He does a little so. bit and uh let's face it like one of the things about Steve Rogers is he's just this chiseled specimen of a person and, and uh it, Chris Evans totally is now. So And he works so fucking hard to to do that yeah. in that kind of shape. Uh he almost seems bigger every time he comes back. He oh as, man. Like, it's it's kind of weird cuz in uh in in Cap 1 it was just purely that he was just super cut. Like, uh, you know, when they first show him step out of the the um the the chamber after he'd just taken the serum, it, um, and like you want the definition of like chiseled abs or something like that, and that's what you come up with. Um, but the second movie they have that scene where he's pulling the helicopter back, and you just see those guns come out, and it's just like holy shit, man. Yeah. Um, just stop right. Re- like, um, my panties are wet. I remember uh, um, one time I could see my tricep. On yeah. one of my arms, and I was like, "You see this? This yeah. is a tricep, dude. And it's, then, like, it's right there." Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that was that's that what was I got ten years ago, and uh, I miss it ever since. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I we we have heard him talk about how he's ready to move on to the next step in his career, 
potentially directing that's that's been a thing you know i think that's a solid move for him because that's the other thing like it's pretty challenging when you've been such a big mainstream role like this like it's going to be pretty tough for him i think to transition and don't get me wrong it's not because he's a bad actor or something like that it's just because now every time you see him you're gonna be like captain america's playing fucking i don't know frankenstein's monster or something like that i mean i I do see like I, i i think it's it's very plausible that we see him beyond Avengers Four. Just like you said, not in a full time role. It'll be, it would be more of a uh, cameo type role, or um, maybe he comes back in a in a um, in a major role in a later movie, but but not every movie. Just yeah, he shows I think up. I think they're gonna want to keep all the mains on in some capacity or another because you know just reading comics or something like that you don't necessarily have to have them headlining the thing, but it's always nice to have them show up. Like when when um. Iron Man shows up in Ultimate Spider-Man or something like that. Like, he's not taking a main part of the story, well, um, but it's yeah. just a nice, you know, addition. Sebastian Stan has also been kind of championing his own cause um, in terms of him eventually, you know, picking up the shield, too. Yeah. Uh, that happened shortly after uh, Civil War when they did the uh, uh, the introduction at a couple of theaters. They did a live thing with him on there, and he was talking about it, and he had quite a bit of audience reaction behind that dude I, it's I, not un, unreasonable for me to i don't think it would see be that happen yeah i don't think and actually that might actually actually be one of the best things we could see is uh um sebastian stan picks up the shield for a couple of movies uh, uh you know five five six years or something like that and then um steve rogers comes back in a major way after that and and chris evans is not going to be too old or something like that at that point to play chris uh, uh to play captain america still so well and we saw cool. in the comic books uh post-civil war um, Bucky took up the shield after Cap was allegedly assassinated, and then when they revealed that that he was still alive, uh, Steve Rogers he didn't come back and, and immediately take the mantle back. Like he let Bucky go out and and keep being Captain America while he actually took over as director of Shield for a while. Yeah, I mean, so. there, there's just there's lots of cool ways they can go with this, and it, you know, like I said, it's really going to come down to whether or not Chris Evans wants to keep playing the character. Because and and I could see why you wouldn't sometimes. Seeing a Steve Rogers director of Shield is actually pretty plausible given the current state of the movies right now, where um, the importance of Nick Fury has kind of been downplayed over the last phase of of the movies. Yeah, he's and not I mean, really it's it's kind of a major point in Winter Soldier too uh, um, that uh, Shield sort of needs some some uh, moral compass, you know. All right, so Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is happening. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but I thought I'd mention it. Uh, now, I didn't read the article because you literally just posted it a little bit ago. No, it's been in there for a couple of days. Like I said. <laughs> <laughs> I just posted it a little while ago. Um, You're gaslighting me right now. I know. Um, uh, so James Gunn is in the link that you posted. Is is he directing as well? Is that a... a the thing that they've confirmed you know honestly i didn't read this confirmed by james gunn so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say yes the answer is yes because uh i'm i'm for it i mean i've only seen one of the guardians movies that he's directed so far but i'm definitely for it yeah i'd say that's a pretty ballsy maneuver in that they haven't even released guardians 2 yet and they're like no we're gonna do the other one well they greenlit uh green lantern 2 before uh the green lantern movie actually hit theaters yeah i, I so guess it's we, possible it's see not, how going to hap- not going to work out but i don't think that's going to be the case here no. i think guardians 3 is pretty much going to happen for sure no they right. probably i mean and this is one of those kind of things where they got to have everything lined up with the you know the the actors and whatnot so yeah and other things that got greenlit uh second season of legion is coming soon yeah so i'm i'm three or four episodes into it now um and it's it's a mind trip like that's that's one of the things that i um I've 
I've come to enjoy about it. Like, I don't necessarily always know what's real and what's not. Um, more so in the first episode, I think, than than latter episodes, because uh, it does kind of clear up a little bit, at least seemingly so. I, I love the mindfuckery in this. Actually, <laughs> the, the, you're gonna um, even still. I, I'm behind by an episode. Uh, Iron Fist, thanks a lot. Uh, I'm behind by an episode, um, and there's a whole bunch more mindfuckery on its way. Like, just oh man. But it's such a good show. Like I, I think I've I, I sort of filleted the show enough on the podcast, so I'm not going to do it again. But uh, uh, it got greenlit for season two, and I'm really happy about that because one of the things we haven't talked about on the podcast is apparently it's not a ratings darling or anything like that, but it is critically very successful. Like, yeah. um, obviously, uh, we here now speaking uh, as professional critics uh, since we have a podcast. Uh, I. I love this show like i think it's probably one of the best things on tv and it is killing me a little bit that i haven't seen the latest one that's out um but i I do think that i'll probably be watching that uh fairly soon so um yeah it's great i'm I'm happy to see that it it got renewed because um it was a little up in the air even though it is such an amazingly good show so uh the reason though i haven't seen the most recent one is because uh thursday night at midnight or i guess you could say early friday morning iron fist um Marvel's most recent adaptation or foray into, or I'm sorry, Netflix's most recent adaptation and foray into the Marvel universe, uh, dropped in its entirety. So I watched the first episode, and then I was sad that I didn't watch Legion instead. Um, so here's the thing. This is, um, I actually think this happened with Luke Cage too. Um, I'm actually well ahead of Eddie. Uh, yeah, you were. One. You were ahead of me for a while, and then I. You were like, I'm on episode four, blah, blah, blah. And then like, I had watched the whole thing by the end of the weekend. Yeah. Um, I think I made you watch episode three here before we podcasted one night yeah, because definitely. I wanted to talk about it so bad. But um, Iron Fist is definitely not starting out with the bang that the rest of the Marvel Netflix uh, series have. Though I will say that as painful as the first two episodes were, um, and even a little bit into the third, uh, it does start to pick up. It doesn't pick up with like a uh, Daredevil slash Punisher fervor um, or even like a Luke Cage. Uh, I, I guess the thing about the Luke Cage show is the pacing is kind of the same for this one. Um, but with Luke Cage, I was more invested in all of the characters, even the villains. I liked uh, to see them on screen because there was, uh, yeah, you know, there was there was there was a dynamic to the to the villains that even though they were the bad guys like they were being portrayed um in in a way that i thought was appealing on screen and whatnot and in this one um one of the uh arch nemeses if you will of of iron fist is actually um a, a, an old school friend of uh danny rand's uh ward yeah. and i i especially for the first like five four or five episodes of this show like i don't give a fuck about that guy yeah, so okay, here the, uh it's kind of interesting that you mentioned something that I I noticed the opposite of in the show. Whereas in Luke Cage especially, um it's a slower paced show. There's not as much, you know, balls to the wall action as there is in Daredevil or something like that. You know, like there is a, a, a an equivalent sort of of the hallway scene, but not really. Um there's just another, you know, cool scene that, you know, it, it like that um, and I'm not far enough into Iron Fist to know that that's the case. But the thing is, is like you mentioned, like I was really invested in even the villains in Luke Cage because even the villains are super interesting. And they were. 
they are like all the, even the villains in Luke Cage like are incredibly three dimensional and they have all these interesting characters and traits and stuff like that. Uh, whereas in Iron Fist, it, it is just the most you know generic archetype uh, of a villain that you can expect. Uh, the 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 um, guy's a douche when uh, uh, Danny was a kid. The guy's a douche now. Like. Uh, um, he, he's got everything going on for the, you know, sort of boring villain other than uh, tying a woman to the railroad tracks and spinning his mustache or twirling his mustache. Have, have so you seen far. Central Intelligence with The Rock and, and no. Kevin Hart? Kevin Hart generally means that I'm probably not going to watch it. You should watch it. It's funny. I, I honestly enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> the The whole premise of the movie, though, is that Kevin Hart, when he was in high school, was like the absolute epitome of the popular kid in school. Yeah. The rock was a fat kid who got picked on by one particular bully, <laughs> um, who is played later on in life by Jason Bateman. <laughs> That's awesome. And like, he was an asshole in high school and he's still an asshole. And that like, yeah. it just kind of reminds me of that character only without the charm of Jason Bateman. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the the villains so far in the show i'm only okay so i'm only two episodes in but the villains so sh- so far in the show are incredibly one dimensional in fact just about everybody in the show is incredibly one dimensional and you can almost see like if you replace them with cardboard stand-ins that just had a label above their head that said like uh, potential love interest number 1 potential love interest number 2 uh, helpful supporting side character uh, villain bad guy you know villain bad guy number 2 um th- it wouldn't be doing really much more disservice to the characters than they're doing right now so the second part of the things i hate Okay, go ahead. I, I was gonna, like, I, I'm not gonna spoil anything for you, but do you mind if I if I like reveal a little bit of of plot to you that that you can look forward to? You can go small plot, a little bit of plot. Um, you find out that Rand, the company, yeah, is heavily in bed with the Hand. That doesn't surprise me at all. And it's, that's actually not. I'm, I'm barely gonna even call that a spoiler because I kind of saw that coming. It's it's that piece of it that I'm actually really starting to enjoy because Madame Gao is is a huge part of it and she's been yeah a pretty solid stand um uh, in in the others yeah. yeah like she's she's good um and then uh Colleen Wing yeah uh her character is really starting to develop uh I, I say starting to I'm 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 on episode nine now but um. I'm enjoying her character a lot more. Um, once she kind of loosens up her asshole a little bit, because <laughs> she really kind of plays that standoffish, like, I know that helping you would be the right thing, but I'm too goddamn stubborn to do it character. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then just the whole, like, I just, that first episode really was rough. Well, okay, so there's a couple of things, and I'm I'm two episodes now into, and I keep waiting for like, oh man, maybe they somehow managed to do a really bad pilot for the show or something like that. But two episodes in now, I'm seeing a lot of the similar things too. Like the dialogue is really just absolutely terrible in some places. Uh, the other thing that's just it's unfathomably bad, almost unforgivably bad. I cannot believe how bad some of the effects are. Like uh, I I think I was texting you about this the other day, but um, when they're Showing the, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but, uh, Danny's whole story begins with him going down in a plane crash with his mother and father. It is literally like one of the worst plane crash scenes I've ever seen. Like my, I was, I was talking to my wife about it cause she was like, so, 
because uh, I mentioned, you know, I gotta, I gotta watch, the mo- I gotta watch the show, I gotta watch the show. And uh, she went to bed before me. So the next day, she asked me, so how was it? And I was like, well, you know, in Lost, you know, you remember in Lost when you first, um, it opens up and you see this, the the plane, and and things start going shitty really fast, and you have this visceral plane crash, and you're like, you're almost white knuckling your seat handles because it's so intense. And you know how good that is. And uh, this is the opposite of that. This is so bad. Like you can see the actress who's playing the mother, like very, like fakely, like you know, it's like Star Trek. You know, like in Star Trek when they're like, uh, you're, you know, being shot at by Klingons, and so the the solution is they're gonna shake the camera and make sure the cast members, you know, sort of shake back and forth, jump over a a, a con console, yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, it's like that bad. Uh, and I'm just like, I've seen all of the other stuff that you guys have done on this show, and uh or on, on this you know series so far and do, do, do you guys just draw the short stick on the budget or i mean what the fuck dude i almost kind of feel like that's the case because they're they're like i really feel like iron fist is the one show that they were just like we gotta hurry up and rush this out so that we can get to the defenders i, and, I mean I, I have to wonder if that's the case because there's a lot of things that like they they've got the bones of a good story here I, so far but they just it's I, not it's rushed in a way that that comes across on screen i feel bad for finn jones because i don't think the first several episodes actually um showcase what he can do um the other complaint too is that um initially critics were like the fight scenes are seem um almost like a slow motion knockoff of what we've seen in the past um the, I can tell fights. you it doesn't stay that way. It it does like the first few fight scenes are kind of like meh. Um and they do it on purpose because that's one of Danny Rand's things is like slowing down your pace and 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 focusing on on your inner strengths and whatnot. And so they kind of portray it as that uh, on screen, but it doesn't translate very well. The other part of it is that we're not looking at jujitsu um or um any other kind of like fast pace like it's not taekwondo or tung sudo or anything like that where there's a lot of like high spots and fast kicks and, and things like that he's a kung fu master and kung fu is not uh a super fast kind of thing it's it, i mean you know what i mean it's yeah. as as martial arts go it isn't it isn't like the fast paced thing that that you're looking for um or that you might have been used to from like daredevil because daredevil fights not because he's uh mastered a specific martial art necessarily but because um he's more of a master in control of his body like well, everything he's doing is somewhat intuitive yeah he's doing what he's doing because it's how he knows how to how to maneuver his body based on the senses that he's that he's receiving yeah and whatnot um Jessica Jones is obviously super strong. So is uh, the fight Luke scenes Cage. in there are almost. I mean, they're different fight scenes and not different bad, just different. Um, <laughs> but, so I mean, the thing for me here is like even still like I could get over like the difference in style, but there are a couple parts during the fight scenes where I think this is like jump kick or something like that that happens early on in either. I mean, I've only seen two episodes. Flips over the taxi. No, that was pretty oh. awful too. But um, there's this like jump kick he does against one of the bad guys, and it's just like you can see that that didn't connect. Like, that wasn't even close. Like, that that looked like a spot in WWE that just didn't land right. And it's like, in WWE, I can forgive those because, like... 
Because we already know it's work. Yeah, and they don't get reshoots. Like they don't get right. to do that again. Like that. That's just it, it's a spot that didn't and, work. And, if you're, and they, if that went in the final product. Or your your play by play guy is is worth his salt. Like he'll uh, he'll sell it for you. Or and, or he'll even just be like, well, I don't know if you got all of that, but you know. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's, you know, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and uh, beat the show up because I'm going to keep watching it. Like, it's not so bad that I'm, I'm going to stop watching it, but, uh, I, this is the rough part of following, you know, what's happened with the uh, Netflix Marvel property so far is the Netflix Marvel properties so far are so good. It's difficult to even be in that league. And this, this show, uh, doesn't quite feel there yet. So no. And then one of the things that Andy mentioned to me last night when we were texting is that, um, he has a hard time believing that this even fits into the same, like, uh no i mean i, I overall get the, they're gonna tie what i meant by that is um i know they're gonna tie it together like i i, I had you know strong feelings that uh they're already gonna tie in like i, I know Ros- rosario dawson's gonna play claire again in the thing and you mentioned madame gao and stuff like that so i know it's gonna play into the whole same universe and obviously we got to be working towards defenders what i meant was it doesn't feel like it's made by the same company like right uh that's what's crazy to me is it doesn't feel like um like these are both being produced by netflix and it kind of feels like it's it's different like it's like a it's doing an impression of the netflix shows that have existed already well and that's the thing is the other shows that have been out have made an impression within the first step you know episode or two oh yeah the first episode of luke cage i was hooked uh the first episode of jessica jones and this is the crazy one because i I knew literally nothing going going into jessica jones and i was hooked by that one after the first episode well and that one we didn't even have as much of uh uh, tenant in that one and he's he's like one of the major selling points of that series but like we we did see jessica jones just full-on going at it with luke cage like in the first episode <laughs> that's um, a good point too yeah so but i mean all of these shows have had like something that is, has really um sold itself to your audience and we didn't get that with uh with iron fist because it's a story that we've seen before. And when I say we've seen it before, I mean, it's very much like Bruce Wayne presumed dead comes back to resume his, his, his position as the rightful leader of, of Wayne enterprises. Yeah. We've seen this. Yeah. It's the same thing with Danny Rand and Rand corporation or whatever it is. Like, it's just, you got to give us more than that. If we're, if you're going to sell it to us based on a story that we've seen already. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, it just it's not quite working for me yet. Um it it does get better. Um and I I encourage you to keep watching especially through like um uh, episodes 4 and 5 is when it really I I'm, it's hitting its stride. Um I had no problem paying attention to what was going on today when I was um I had it on in the background at work while I was while I was working on stuff. Mhm. Um, and there's some pretty good stuff. In fact, Bailey and I were kind of texting back and forth because we were on the same episode at the same time for a little bit. And then he started talking about stuff that was like 15 minutes ahead of where I was. And I was like, whoa, 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 buddy. <laughs> so, right. um, um, but so- yeah, it's, it's initial impression. I'm not done with it, but at the same time, like I can already tell you that like when I talk about the Marvel Netflix, uh, franchises, um, it's not going to be the top of my list. It's yeah. not going to be the middle of my list. It's going to be toward the bottom, like just because of how rough the first few episodes are. Um, and I've not had to try and get involved with any of the the previous series. And this is the one that I've had to be like, I'm just going to trudge through this and hopefully it's better. And and I, I have been at least mostly rewarded, but like, it's still, it's, it's trying, but it's not quite there for me. Yeah. So the next thing we're going to talk about is lesbians, uh, which is always a hit. I think, um and specifically what i mean is this is just kind of a um 
this this article in the, this showed up on the notice as well too, and it was kind of one of those things where we've been spending a lot of time um, on the Supergirl um, Alex Danvers lesbian angle, yeah, which has honestly been done really well. I think uh, so too on on screen and whatnot. But this article is just kind of a reminder that was like, hey, remember back in like 1999 or 2000 or whenever it was when you know Buffy did this very same thing with Willow, yeah, um, and it's just kind of a a, a really um, well written piece about developing that particular relationship between uh, the character of Willow and, and her girlfriend Tara um, and how they met and whatnot um, I'm a huge uh, fan of the Buffyverse Eddie's not actually made it nearly as far into the series as I have and whatnot so we won't spend a ton of time on it but um, you know it, you it, were talking about buying the Bioshock remaster th- this week because that was on Steam uh, uh-huh. for which by the way a helpful hint for the listeners if you get this show uh out pretty soon uh 15 you get the whole bioshock franchise for 15 dollars. It, it comes with bioshock bioshock the remasters two, um including the remastered editions so you get both the original editions and the remasters um as well as bioshock infinite and all of the dlc that comes so, with those anyway what i was going to say is like i want to remaster for stuff like this like um you know just if, if they could clean it up so we could get widescreen and 720 you know i'd be probably a little bit more on board so the Netflix are. Oh, really? Yeah. Because the ones that when I was watching weren't. Um, yeah, they, they remastered so maybe, them in HD. Dude, okay. Maybe maybe I'll have to get back into this then. So, um, yeah, they are. But, like, my DVDs are not widescreen or anything like that. They're all pan and scan still. So, I, I don't even watch the DVDs. But, um, yeah, they, they totally are. Um, so, anyway, it was just a really well done um way of 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 telling that story and and honestly the thing is is if you're invested in the characters you actually end up believing that willow um and this girl are are together and love each other and whatnot so um which i think is the right way to do it rather than forcing the entire storyline on your audience like let it progress naturally and and evolve into what it what it becomes um i think they did a really good job with that on super i think they learned their lesson from the first season with their with the with the feminist message that they were really kind of hammering home yeah with a hammer so to speak yeah um this particular alex danvers uh story on supergirl is has progressed really well yeah um last piece of news before we talk about our classic match uh the matrix um so we got matrix news we i mentioned this at the top of the show and uh there's was some rumors going about that the matrix was going to be rebooted and it turns out that no, not really. They're still going to tell movie, or they, they've got stories they can tell basically um, within the current mythos. Um, here's here's the thing. Um, and we'll talk about the Animatrix here in a few minutes. But if they tell any other story that's kind of involved with the current Matrix mythos, I'm going to hate it because I fucking hated the the actual story arc that happened. I liked the first movie. The first movie was awesome. Um, yeah, the first movie still really holds up. The too. bullet time special effects were revolutionary at that point in time. Um, and then, you know, the the overall um, just initial shock of like, oh, this is happening in his head because he's just just being used as a battery by these machines yeah i was gonna say if if you had the 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 um pleasure to have gone to see the movie without actually having everything spoiled for you it is seriously one of the best twists like it turns the movie on on its head uh midway through in in a way that's completely satisfying what's what's funny is i didn't see this movie at all in theaters i i waited until it was on um get this vhs 
before I saw it the first time. Um, but honestly, I did not. I didn't really go to see movies a lot when this when this came out, and I didn't fucking read any mainstream media or anything else. There wasn't social media at the time, really either. Yeah, Facebook um, and Twitter having not been invented yet. Yeah, so like, <clears throat> I had the pleasure of seeing it for the first time as a noob, so to speak. My buddy Ryan had seen it and he bought it, and uh, he was like, "Have you seen this?" And I was like, "No, I don't even know what it's about." And he's like dude, we're going to watch it right now. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and so we watched it and I was like, holy fucking shit, that was awesome. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's the reaction a lot of people had that really didn't know what they were getting into when they saw it. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're uh, probably going to tell a movie uh, or make a story that um, can coexist with the existing mythos. And one of the hints that they kind of gave us is like, you know, if you've seen the Animatrix, you know that there's more stories to tell in this world. And I got to say, I- I'm totally fine with that. Like, I really like the Animatrix um if you haven't seen it I'd, I'd suggest you do check it out because uh one of the interesting things is that the, a lot of those stories stand completely on their own right really they all stand pretty much on their own um but there's a lot of good stuff in there so yeah absolutely all i right. like the animators quite a bit last for the evening we're going to talk some wrestling and since there's no pay-per-views this week we're going to talk about a classic match and this uh i jokingly said you know kurt angle uh defends his championship um, because that's the title of the match on the network now. Um, because, you know, while they've still got these matches on the network, they're really hesitant to actually call out Chris Benoit uh, um, on on yes. the network itself. So yes. this is Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit in Royal Rumble 2003. Um, this was the final match before the Rumble match, um, as it was for the WWE Heavyweight uh, Championship. Kurt Angle came in, uh, the incumbent champion, uh, Chris Benoit challenging. Um, this was, I want to say at the height of the, um, and it might even have been the second run of, of team angle with, uh, uh, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, um, they start out kind of in the ring with Kurt Angle. Uh, Benoit comes to the ring alone. Uh, Benjamin and, uh, and Haas get ejected before the match even starts and get sent to the back. So it's, this just straight up one-on-one match between, um, two of the best technical mat wrestlers in the WWE and, and I say that in half work terms yeah. <laughs> um, because Benoit was always touted as being one of the best technical wrestlers in the, in the WWE. Uh, Kurt Angle, on the other hand, is a legit wrestler um, who happened to win a gold medal in the 1996 Olympics. So, um, you know, he's got it. Yeah, he's he's got the legitimate chops. So uh, um, this is. This was an interesting match for a lot of different reasons. Number one is um, these guys were working the, the the ring in a way that you don't see a lot of uh, happen today, like um, chain wrestling. They were chain wrestling, yeah. The, 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 that was really fun to watch. Um, they were chain wrestling, and they were also chain wrestling through a whole bunch of different sub- submission maneuvers. Um, and it, it's it actually worked really well on the screen. Like the thing about submission maneuvers is that you know um, that it's a work. So the submission maneuvers don't usually look like they're doing anything uh, damage wise, um, but they, these guys sold amazingly well. And it was interesting because of the way they chained them all together. Um, so, I mean, just from that aspect of things, it was a fun match to watch. Yeah. Um, the reason this match was chosen is because, um, and I don't know if we've actually talked about this on the show, but the WWE hall of fame is coming up in two weeks. Yeah. We've definitely mentioned, um, you know, WrestleMania is uh, two weeks from tomorrow. The Hall of Fame ceremony is actually two weeks from tonight as we record this. Uh, and Kurt Angle was the first inductee announced into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame. And I figured since he was going into the Hall this year, we 
probably should check out some of his his better matches. And so I did a quick search um, for some of his better matches. I've seen most of them, but I just they were live when I saw them. So it's kind of one of those things. It's hard to remember watching it again. Yeah. Um, and so this match was actually listed as one of the better uh, Kurt Angle matches from when he was with the WWE. Um, and honestly, one of the most undersold ones. This match was really fucking good, actually. Yeah. Um, I was mentioning, too, like, um, it's surprising because Kurt Angle had not been in the WWE very long at this point. Like, I think he came in at 2001, maybe even 2002. No, he came in um, the... Where am I right now? He came in tail end of 99. Oh, really? The tail end of 99. Um, because I'm, like it was later than that. I'm in November of 2000 with my watch through yeah. that I'm doing, and, and he's been in 11 months um, at this point. And within that 11 months, he captured the European Championship, the Intercontinental Championship, and then he's just won um, the WWE Championship for the first time, WWF Championship, um, as it were. Yeah. And so I don't know, I don't remember at the time this was done in 2003, um, if this was, because this is almost two years after where I'm currently at in my watch through. I don't know how many times he's held the belt in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, God damn it. He, he took to the business like so quickly. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. He sells so well in, in these uh, in this match. Um, Benoit does a really good job selling in this match as well. Like that's one of the other interesting things too here for a match like this to work. I think you really need guys who can sell. Um, and, and both of these uh, two did an amazing job of it. Right. Um, when he first came into the business, uh, Angle, he was a heel immediately, and the way they made him a heel was so beautifully simplistic that it's ridiculous because they literally listened to him cut promos um, when he was training. <clears throat> and really all they had to do was have him come out and talk about his accomplishments. And like Bruce Pritchard, who was one of the, one of the <laughs> producers back then was just like, this guy's a brilliant heel. Yeah. And, and like the other guy that was like helping train was like, that's not the idea here. And he's like, no, but it's like, listen to him talk about his accomplishments. Like this guy is the perfect fucking heel. And like it's it was so simple. All they had to do was come out and, and have him talk about, you know, when he won the Olympics and this, that, and the other thing. And then like throw in an extra word every once in a while, like being the most celebrated real athlete in the WWF kind of a thing. <laughs> um just to the point where like he's got instant heat because like if you're a wrestling fan, like you know it's a work or you're 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 relatively in ninety nine, I guess you were mostly certain it was a work, but not like it wasn't just out there. Yeah. Um, but you're just like, fuck you. These guys are athletes, you yeah. know? Um, and, and then if you're another one of the boys in the back, you're like, what do you mean real athlete asshole? So like, <laughs> you've got the makings for, for a great heel just in that. And then just, you, you, you combine that with the fact that, um, he developed himself in the ring to the point where like, I don't, he never really looked green to me. The only time he ever looked green, um, was in mid 2000 when he did a moonsault off the uh off the top rope and broke bob holly's arm <laughs> holy shit <laughs> yeah that that does tend to look a little bad which the wwf at the time was was so like blatantly just like out there for um trying to do anything they could to, to beat wcw in the ratings at the point like they knew bob holly's arm was broken like they called it when it happened and they're like <laughs> let's look at that again you know, they just yeah. showed the replay of it. Now we can see where the arm breaks. Yeah. Yes, it one crack. There's another one right there. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Angle, Angle. Actually, I was just asking you before the show, and and I don't think this is true. You'll you'll be able to tell me, I guess, in a couple of months when you finish his his run in the WWE. But I said, you know, did Angle ever have a face run? Um, because he he definitely came out as a heel, and he's still running heel pretty hard uh, in this this match. And I don't know that he ever did. Like, um, he, and it's kind of phenomenal because, like you said, it's uh. In every other part of the world, he's an instant face. Like, he goes and does anything else. Like, he goes and does Meals on Wheels, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I got this Olympic athlete, and he's uh, delivering Meals on Wheels or whatever. And you're like, oh, this guy's so awesome. And then he comes into the WWE, and he just, like you said, he adds that one single word, and you're just like, this guy's the biggest asshole in the entire universe. Fucking crush him. Yeah. And the other thing I think I remember about his him coming out as a heel, too, is pretty quickly i don't remember if this was an instant thing but what do they call it the angle lock yeah that, that it's just he's, an ankle lock but yeah yeah he's yeah it's an ankle lock but it's he, they call it the angle lock he came out really almost immediately and was into the the heart submission like that and people were just like oh this guy's such a jerk you know like uh he's well he was at least a year like into it before he had the submission because he was using the angle slam yeah the angle slam while. okay so that then that is after a while but i, I do remember like when when um, that sort of, I think, solidified his heel status when he started pulling the angle lock out a little more. And yeah. I think that was because they were like, oh, you know what, you know what we could do to turn this up to 11? Um, yeah. Because so I, I think in, in, in storyline, like he broke somebody's ankle with the ankle lock. Yeah. Like right after he started using it. So I think that's kind of what solidified it as, as like the, a heel move as, as a good finisher and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, for him. But yeah, this, this match was good. It had a lot of reversals, a lot of counters. Um, you know, just, just a really seemingly technical match. There wasn't a lot of brawling involved in it. No, not really. Which, in 2003, we were coming off a period where we've been force-fed, like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but, like, your top babyface in the company for a lot of years at that point was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was gone at this point. Um, I think this was maybe during the time that he, he walked out. Something like it that. was. It was. Because um, he had walked out in 2002 shortly after uh, WrestleMania. Because he didn't like the direction they were going in. So he just left. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, didn't come back for a while. But so, yeah, this is this is um, during that period of time where he was gone. Um, but, I mean, even like you had The Undertaker and he was a, a brawler. Kane's a brawler. You have all these guys that are just like, you know, strikers or brawlers or whatever. And then you put these two in the ring and they're or or triple h for that matter you know that i mean it's technically proficient as triple h is like ultimately at the end of the day like you don't want to get into a boxing match with that guy no um and then you put these guys in the ring and they're just all about like the submissions and the reversals and the and the suplexes and and you know quote unquote wrestling moves stuff yeah like that like there was one particular throw that was you you think it's a german suplex and then like but it's a release and like angle like flips over and lands kind of on his face, like face and chest first in, in the mat. It was a, a, ended up being a kind of a German throw more than a German suplex. And it was incredible to look at. Yeah, it was a, that was a really good spot. I thought that was definitely a high, high, high point of the match. I would call it a near miss. Yeah. Uh, just because of the fact that like it really was like if, if Angle's chest hit first, it wasn't by much. It, it did. Um, I do remember. I think they showed an instant replay on this, and and his chest did hit first, but it was just barely. Yeah. Like uh, that 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 
was uh, very close to being a very ugly, <laughs> ugly spot. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this. Like, I, I love the technical proficiency of it. I love the way that they told the story during the match. Uh, um, and, and they did that, you know, mostly through the technical proficiency. Like, th- this is sort of a match made in heaven because at this point, Benoit is very much being booked as, like, the, you know, the best technical wrestler in the WWE. And then on the other hand, you got Kurt Angle, who's, like, the, you know, an actual, an actual legitimate, uh, 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 old school Roman Greco wrestler, yeah. you know, so, um, it, it was a fun match to watch, you know, because it's a good way to build that sort of a thing. And then the way that they actually executed it, I think, worked out really, really well. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is ending the match. Um, and this is, you know, bittersweet now having watched it. But when we end the match, Angle wins um, in a clean submission. Um, I think he got him in the Angle Lock, uh, Benoit Submit. Uh uh, Angle's music pops. He goes off. They, they cut a video promo in the end, and then it yeah. comes back to Benoit, and the fans are going nuts for him. Like Ben yeah. Benoit was entirely over with the crowd, even though he just like that was the whole thing too. Like at this point, we're we're saying, oh, Team Angle is going to interfere, and then that's the way that uh, you know Kurt Angle is going to win, and there's no way you know. So um, that uh, Benoit was still so over with the fans after having lost the match was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, both guys came out really strong in it, even though it was a clean victory. Um, so to speak, uh, he, he, Eddie's right. They went to a video package. They come back to the ring, and Benoit's still in the ring, standing, and like then he's getting a standing ovation from the entire arena at that point. Yeah. Um, and again, like we've mentioned this before, like we're not going to shy away from Chris Benoit matches if they happen to be, um, if he happens to be in in the matches that were that we pick for these you know reviews. In this particular case, it happened to be I was looking for kind of the the cream of the crop of Kurt Angle matches and this match definitely fits that bill. It's not a Yeah, it's a, it's a good match. Um um but uh yeah, just it this was before Benoit had won his championship as well, so this it, it was kind of one of those things that was uh like Eddie said it was kind of bittersweet. Um it also its placement on the card was I think probably near perfect because it was wow. Right before the Rumble. Because it was right before the actual Rumble match, and it followed the Triple H-Scott Steiner match. And Scott Steiner never really got over when he came uh, to the WWE following the demise of WCW. Um, his his persona had problems, um, and it continued to do that. In fact, um, I, showed Eddie, <laughs> I showed Eddie a video of him cutting a promo <laughs> when he was with TNA. Um, it was good stuff. Yeah, it if you're a wrestling fan and have never seen it and if you know how to do basic elementary arithmetic <laughs> um look up scott steiner math and and watch the promo video that pops up uh, the daily motion glorious. video actually has video whereas the youtube video just is a still frame with the with the dialogue in the background so i'm sure copyright bullshit yeah something yeah. um but yeah, listen to his math in that promo, and and you tell me if this is a guy that was ever cut out to do anything other than perform. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show for this week. Um, if you want to tell us anything, uh, we've got lots of social media going on. You can go on Twitter at whatever show, Facebook dot com slash whatever show. Um, we have email too, questions at whatever dot co. We even have an email if you want to pay us money to talk about your shit on the show. That's sponsors at whatever dot co. Uh yeah, uh, Reebok. We're waiting for our call. We sure our email just got lost in the mail. Um, if you absolutely hate the show, um, you can tweet um at Charles E. Smith or at the brutal one. That's B R E W. 
Um, but if you really love the show, we'd really appreciate it if you would jump on iTunes and leave us a five-star review um, and leave us comments. Yeah, it helps. Um, and, and, you know, especially the five-star reviews uh, juice the show. Uh, and iTunes is certainly the way to go if you want to do that. So uh, please help us out there. But, yeah, leave us comments. And like we said, we're, we're both pretty much we, – I mean, let's face it. We don't have lives. So if you, you hit us up on one of the social media things, we're, we're probably going to respond or, you know, maybe even talk about you in the show. So um, if, if, if we get ten reviews on the show – I will pour a beer in a glass and I will I will periscope it while Eddie chugs it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we can make that happen, folks. Come on. Help help the team. All right, we'll see you next week. Later, guys. Oh, I didn't save I didn't cancel it before I hit that.